Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Sons of UCF podcast, your place for UCF sports talk year-round. Now, here is Adam and Mike. All right, here we go again. Episode number 122 of the Sons of UCF. My name is Adam, and as always, I've got my friend and yours, Mr. UCF Mike, back, and maybe even better than ever. Michael, greetings, my friend. How are you? How's it going, man? I'm ready for another rousing edition of the Sons of UCF podcast. Rousing indeed. Uh, We've got quite a show prepared for you all tonight. Uh, Cow of the Week coming up at the very end of the show. We have a new game we're going to play. Don't know why we haven't thought of this game earlier. Shame on us. Uh, So we got a new game. You know we love to play our games around here. We got news and notes, all that good jazz. We'll keep you caught up on the football stuff, baseball, with a big series win this weekend. We'll we'll ruminate over that as well. And then, Mike, the the centerpiece of tonight's show, if you guys have listened to this show for any number of years, you know for three straight years when we do our preseason sunnies, I have given the Breakout Player of the Year award to Mr. Marlon Williams. He has by far been uh, one of my favorite nights of all time, and we have tracked him down, and we have uh, a good 40-plus minute conversation with Marlon Williams on his UCF career, and uh, and he gives us some, some pretty good stuff in there as well. He's definitely a, a fun guy to talk to, Mike, so we get a chance to catch up with Marlon Williams. All of that right here on this episode. Mike, I'm exhausted just thinking about it already. Yeah, it's a jam-packed episode. Fun as always. You know us. We have a good time doing these things. Marlon was a pleasure to talk to. Everybody's going to enjoy that one. And then I'm pumped up for this new game. I don't know. We can't reveal the name of it yet, but no. it's going to be a doozy. It's a it's a doozy. It's a doozy. Uh, so, all right. So in order to enjoy all this stuff, do us a couple of favors, if you don't mind. Uh, if you're listening to us for the first time ever, uh, welcome aboard. Uh, glad you're here. Uh, do us a little favor. Whatever you're listening to us on, there's probably a subscribe button. You go ahead and hit that right about now. And that'll make sure you get our show every time it comes out. Uh, If you've already subscribed to us, fantastic. You're doing a good job. You can do a better job if you want to rate and review. A little five-star rating never hurt anybody. You want to pack out a little review on on the old keypad there. We'd appreciate that as well. Also, make sure you follow us on social media channels, Sons of UCF, pretty much everywhere. Mike is at UCFMike1 on Twitter. And don't forget about our YouTube page, also Sons of UCF, where you can catch the Sons of UCF live show which comes out every Thursday and features our good friend, Mr. Trace Trelko. We also have some of Trace's exclusive one-on-one interviews with uh, some of the coaches for UCF baked into the channel as well. So you're going to want to subscribe to all that. That's a lot of work for you guys to do off the top. I really apologize, but trust us, it's going to be worth it. I've been We've been asking for these reviews. I don't know how many people have actually 
just click on the five stars. It's all we're asking. You go onto the the app to listen to us. Just click on the five stars. It'll take you not even a second. Yeah, or so, even the, even the four star. I'm okay with the four star. If you're going to click on the no. one star, you've got the wrong show. It's it must be in one of the other shows. Uh, so f- uh, f- five stars, four stars. We'll we'll take it. We don't want to beg, uh, but please. No, we're begging. Okay, go ahead. Click on the five stars. All right, that's it. Well, it wasn't really a bag. That was more of a command. We're not doing any more shows. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, well we're ending on a high note here because, uh, again, Marlon Williams is great. And uh, he talks a little bit about the uh, the new coaching staff, Mike, that has come together. And uh, and we, we got a chance to, to discuss it a little bit on Thursday on the live show. But now that you've had a couple of uh, days, a weekend, if you will, to, to let this new staff sink in, uh, you've seen some of the some of their work out there. I think if I read today um, from Brandon Helwig, I think uh, Gus Malzahn is up to close to 100 offers uh, in his UCF era already, which has got to be – I assume there's a kid they they offered that they forgot about and is going to commit, and they're like, did we offer that guy? Oh, yeah, I guess we did um, because they got so many offers out there, Mike. It's just been a dizzying week. Uh, so now the things have calmed down a little bit. What do you think of both the staff Gus has put together and the things they've done or are doing in the recruiting game so far? Do you think that he's handing out so many offers that he's going to offer the same kid more than once? Probably. <laughs> You forgot he already offered him. Here's another one. It's gonna be like you remember. Uh, you remember Major League when the first one when Willie Mays Hayes ends up at camp. It's gonna be like that. They're like, who's who's that guy? Did you guys offer him? I thought. <laughs> I thought was that Kenny? Was that you? No. Was it T-Will? Was that you? Hey Herb. Herb Hand. Is that your guy? Like it's gonna be a complete cluster. But I'm here for all of it, by the way. <laughs> but he's only offering the best. Four star guys, really high, highly rated guys. So the more offers you put out, the more chances you got. And this, once a, once somebody accepts the offer and the class fills up, then that's it. So he, he's just as a numbers game, like we said before. He's putting out the most offers he can to the highest-rated players and see what happens. You can't – it can't hurt to ask, right? If you don't <laughs> offer them, these guys are not going to come in. Okay. So that's the first step. Um, he's doing it. The staff now is complete. Or at least I thought it was complete last week, and now today he hired Kareem Reed uh, to the staff. It's a non-field uh, position. But now I think the staff is completely done. Can we say that now? All the assistants and recruiting assistants and all that, is that now officially done? I think that's done because he hired a, a, a player of personnel today, some guy from Kansas whose name escapes me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, obviously you get GA spots, right? UCF had a bunch of GA spots. Um, so I don't know how many of those are available to him and how many he can use. I don't know if that will be Kareem Reed's role. I'm not sure if he's an analyst. Um, so I do like the addition of a, of a UCF guy. Um, and plus for those who aren't familiar with Kareem Reed, he, he, uh, he was on our show once too. It doesn't exist anymore, but trust me, he was on. Um, and, uh, he's, he's been a successful coach. He was coaching down in South Florida for a while, took a, a really bad team in South Florida and, and made him a winner, went to two different schools in Georgia and has been successful at the high school level as well. So not only does he bring in some, uh, UCF, uh, black and gold experience, but also another accomplished high school coach, Mike, which seems to be one of the, one of the routes that, uh, Malzahn is uh, really kind of going after right now is guys with some high school experience. Right, and this guy, like you mentioned, Florida and Georgia ties, that can't hurt. Um, he's spreading it out now. We have guys here that know the Florida area. We got guys in Georgia. We got guys, a lot of guys from Alabama. And those are the areas that he's attacking the most. So I, I like what he's done with the staff. He obviously has – he leans more towards the guys that he's worked with at Auburn before. So I'm thinking when he hires the, the graduate assistants, you'll probably see a lot of former Auburn players on that list. Uh, but it's good to have a, a former UCF guy now with Kareem Reed. Some guys that have familiarity with the with the, the campus and some of the players. And Wyatt, 
who's back now at UCF. He he knows the guys on the team, worked with them in the past couple of years. So overall, this staff seems like it's ready to go. And you look like the guys that can recruit. And that's the main thing we have going for us right now is get the best recruiters out there. And we mentioned all the offers that are out there. So let's see if we can close the deal now on some of these four-star guys. Yeah, it's kind of one of those, you know, strike while the iron's hot situations. You know, obviously UCF's name is out there. There's billboards that are being put up now, Mike. There was uh, one spotted in Georgia. There's one here where I'm at in Jacksonville. Uh, so billboards are going up everywhere. Um, so it's really time to, to strike while the iron's hot and, and see, you know, if we can get a, a commit at some point. I don't know that we've had an official commit yet under the Gus Malzahn era, unless you want to count the two transfers, Mike, that we got from uh, uh, from Auburn. So we talked about Mark Anthony Richards last week. Uh, and then we had another receiver who essentially was coming to UCF via Colorado State uh, after his time at, uh, at Auburn. Uh, he commits to UCF as well. So we've, we've had at least some, some, some luck in the transfer um, area, if you will. Uh, I think what Nate Craig Myers, I think the kid's name is. Um, so we've had some, some four-star transfers come in, Mike, but I don't think we've had any, uh, uh, any, anybody commit yet um, from, uh, from the high school ranks. All right. Well, I mean, he's only been here 10 days or two weeks or whatever it is. That will come. And the Mark Anthony kid, he still has four years, I believe, of eligibility left. So he's basically like a, a new recruit. Um, but the billboards, that's an interesting thing. That just popped up today. I heard a rumor there's one here in Fort Lauderdale. I'm going to have to go down the highway the next couple of days and see if I find it. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, that's part of the recruiting process, I, I guess. You're considering that part of the recruiting kids now in Georgia and all over Florida are seeing Gus Malzahn's face as they're driving up and down the highway with UCF on it, that can't hurt, I would think. Well, it's probably a couple of things, right? It's, it's, you know, recruits, it's probably to drum up um, interest, maybe season tickets or uh, merch sales, right? I think, you know, obviously uh, we, we said this early. One of the interesting things about Terry Mohodger's background was he was at one point the director of marketing. Uh, so this seems like one of those kind of marketing campaigns, right? Get your get your brand out there, get your name out there. Uh, obviously, there's a push now for season tickets. We don't yet know what the season will hold, if you will, from a uh, actual uh, number of fans to be able to attend perspective. But it seems like marketing 101. Get your name out there, get your brand out there. You know, sell some season tickets, move some merch. They they put out the this place T-shirts uh, that UCF uh, um, that the phrase that they coined, and I'm sure those sold out pretty well. So. Yeah, this is probably just part of that Mohajer marketing strategy that he brings with them. Season tickets, are, I believe, are about 85% sold out already. So not much to pick from. Um, the This Place t-shirts, did they rip off our buddy Chris Robinson with those? Well, I mean, first? I think Chris was first in line. Yeah, that's actually what this, so I, I wore one during our, I think our last or second to last uh, Sons of UCF live show, uh, and I got mine from Chris. Uh, so I don't really know, um, you know, who's first there. I, I don't know how that works. It, it's they look similar. Right? They are very similar. I don't think uh, uh, Chris did not use the um, uh, the Mal or not the Mazan. He did not use the UCF logo. He just used a star, I think, where the uh, UCF used the UCF logo. Uh-huh. That's all I got. Though. There's a the difference. Yeah. <laughs> all right, but yeah, the marketing is is in full effect now, and. Let's see how much we can do in ticket sales. And like you said, who knows how much they're gonna, how many people they're going to allow in the stadium. We're hoping for 100%. If that is the case, then we still have a few more tickets to sell. If they're not if they don't allow 100% in, how are they going to determine which season ticket holders can get in and which can't? That's a conversation for another day, I guess, right? 
Yeah, I think that's probably still TBD, right? I, you know, I saw the UCF announced today they are going to let students back on campus for the fall semester. I think classes will be in session in person. So one would think that if they're going to allow students back on campus and classes to begin in person, that that would be the first step, if you will, uh, of potentially doing that. But I guess, uh, I guess it's not official until it's official. And the spring game has been announced April 10th. I yeah. saw a video of Malzahn already asking the students to start showing up for that. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to put a cap on attendance for that. I don't think it's necessary because I don't think we would show up you know, more than 25% of the stadium anyway. But um, it'd be interesting to see how many people show up for the spring game. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I mean, I think uh, um, I, I think it's March 15th is when practice starts, Mike. So um, it's a pretty quick turnaround. They got basically about a month. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see, you know, the spring game. Obviously, I don't know how much of Malzahn's offense will get installed in that in that time period. You know, it'll probably be a very basic, uh, bare-bones type of operation. Um, but it will be good to see UCF kind of out there trotting out the new system, kind of looking at some things. But I don't imagine they're going to show way, way too much. But uh, spring game is always a good time. I, I have yet to actually ever attend a spring game. Um, so if this one can work out, my friend, I've definitely got my calendar circled. I don't know what the ticket situation is. I don't know if anybody gets in if you want to get in. But uh, this this one may be on my calendar. They usually provide season ticket holders with free tickets. Uh, well, so are you going? Because I'm going to need your tickets in if you're not going. <laughs> uh, it depends. Are they going to do our quarterback challenge before the game, like we're suggesting, and willing to MC throughout the stadium? <laughs> well, because if they do that, I'm, I'm definitely in. The Stugats are strong in you, my friend. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I haven't heard any, uh, heard back yet on our quarterback challenge idea. Uh, as as you and I have been talking about for years, we think it'd be fun to you know, get some of the old QBs back and have them throw into trash cans and do some of the old stuff. Um, uh, still waiting on a callback on that. Uh, I think it'd be fun. Maybe COVID's not the year to do that. Maybe that's more of a next year thing. Um, we're not giving them a ton of time, but you know what? Uh, Eric DeSalvo, if you're listening, uh, Dan Forsell, if you're listening, you know, uh, uh, feel free to hit us up. We'll, we'll give you the ideas. We'll give you uh, all of our uh, intellectual property here, and uh, we'll see what we can make work out for you. The guys want to do it. We've talked to a bunch of guys already, and they're all down to do it. Kyle Israel, Ryan Schneider. Uh, Vic Penn, uh, who? Who else? <laughs> um, we've talked to a bunch of quarterbacks that are willing to do it. We, Godfrey, I'm sure, would come back for. Uh, well, are we sure Godfrey's coming back? He, <laughs> he hasn't shown up for the live show yet that we uh, booked him for. <laughs> we have his number, though, right? Well, we, we do have his number, him. yes. Yes, we do have his number. Right. Now, if they can get Dante and Bortles in, oh, that's then a wrap. I, I, I think you got a sold-out spring game. Yeah, that would be cool. So uh, let's see what these guys can do. And, and we've even talked to other re, uh, positions. You know, have a little race going with some of the, the old fast guys. You know, bring Quincy McDuffie back and a couple of the other speedsters and see who the fastest guy is. I don't know. Maybe you have to have age divisions. I was going to say. Guys from the... Yeah. We nicknamed <laughs> that the ACL ripper because I feel like someone's going to get hurt <laughs> somewhere along the way. But yeah, yeah maybe it could be it's got to be guys that are not, no longer playing professionally. Maybe. Yeah. You know, have some... Uh, but there's, there's something fun whether it's that or the 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 sale that they do the yard sale that they did a couple of times if they can do that i don't know if they can because of covid but they gotta do something to spice it up just having a spring game as we know doesn't draw that much attention so just try to do something else to bring people out there give mike some spice in his life and uh, listen again i'm very curious to see how uh, Terry Mohajer um, handles some of this stuff. Again, he's got that background. So 
curious to see what creative ways he can kind of come up with to continue to engage the fan base, uh, continue to find kind of fun ways to get people involved, obviously fundraising, all that stuff. So it could be interesting. I feel like there's an opportunity there. Maybe if they, you know, think about it the right way, obviously, um, you know, one of the things that Doug Gabriel mentioned when he was on with us and when he was doing interviews with local media is, you know, UCF reaching back out to former players and alumni. This could be a really good opportunity. So uh, we'll see if that if that all works out, Mike. But um, from a from a spring practice perspective, um, what do you think the most important thing is that these guys need to get accomplished over the the course of the spring practices? What are what are UCF Mike's top two things that he wants to have happen during spring practice? Well, do we have to say the obligatory no injuries? You just did. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> no, I think you're good. You're clear. <laughs> All right. Um, just get a basic understanding of what Malzahn wants to do. Um, obviously, the hypo system is pretty unique. Malzahn does run hurry up, but it's not quite the same. Just get his basic principles in. I'm sure there's a whole different playbook coming in. So uh, you're not going to learn it all in a month period. But get the guys out there, get them familiar with how he runs things, how he runs his practices, and slowly build into the, the fall season. That's what all spring's about, right? And and for the coaches to evaluate what they have. So the coaches, these guys are all new to these coaches. So they're going to come in, they say they're treating everybody with a blank slate, come in, evaluate, and then put the guys in the best positions possible for the fall. Yeah, I think uh, Malzahn's one thing, right? Obviously the head coach always gets the headlines, but I think you said it better, right? Which is the the assistant coaches, the position coaches. Those are the guys that um, you know the players spend the most time with, right? Those are the guys that they're in meeting rooms with, they're on the sidelines talking to. So I think it's forming those relationships between those guys, position coaches, um, and the individual players, and figuring out kind of how they want them to practice. You know, what scheme it is they want to run. Um, you know, obviously this is the first time this entire staff has worked together. So. Uh, you know, what will that, uh, what will that look like? You know, they, they got to build some chemistry as a staff. So it's probably for me all about just building that rapport, building that chemistry, um, gaining some familiarity, setting some ground rules, essentially on kind of who they are going to be both on, on both sides of the ball, even on special teams. Um, so I think if you set that foundation, learn how each other, you know, plays and coaches, uh, I think that would, that would make a success from a spring game perspective. And then you get a chance to build off that as you, as you kind of go through the summertime. And then obviously as you think about getting into fall camp. Right. And I'm kind of excited. I saw a couple of highlights today of some Malzahn trick plays and some of his best plays at Auburn. I think we might be in for some things we've never seen before. So from that point, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what the how the offense changes. I think obviously um, uh, Malzahn's offense wasn't necessarily one that uh, threw the ball anywhere near the amount of times that that Heupel did, particularly at the distance that um, that that Heupel threw balls. Right? I mean, they were throwing you know twenty, thirty yards down the field consistently. Consistently, you know, Malzahn's offense has typically been a little bit more balanced. Uh, you know, I don't think he's had outside of Cam Newton, who wasn't a prolific thrower of the football. By the way, I know I know Cam grew into that a little bit, but he wasn't he wasn't exactly. Um, you know, the, the rifle arm quarterback back in college, you know, you, it's hard pressed to think about a quarterback that Malzahn's had that has been sort of an elite arm talent throwing quarterback. I mean, I feel like I watch as much college football as the next guy and I can't think of one off the top of my head that I go, Oh yeah, that was the guy. 
Um, so it'll be curious to see how he uses um, Dylan Gabriel's strengths, which obviously are, are probably more with his arm than with his legs, um, which, again, is a tad different than maybe what Malzahn's really had in the past. Right. So, I mean, I want to see how he develops not only Dylan Gabriel, but the other quarterbacks on the roster and see how those guys fit into his system. And then just he's talked about now having a championship defense. He's got a lot of work to do on this defense that we have here now. Let's see what kind of improvements you can make on that side of the ball as well. Yeah, and last thing for me is just how, how some of these new guys are going to fit in. And by new guys, I mean the guys we didn't get to see a lot of. So on defense last year, obviously we saw a little bit of Devon Wilson. Uh, we did not see hardly any of Jaden Francois. I don't think he saw the field at all. I think he was dressed one time. Um, or I don't think he was dressed, actually. I take that back. I think Deontay Marks was dressed one time. I don't think he saw the field. Then we brought in Brandon Johnson, who came in from Tennessee as a grad transfer when Heupel was still here. He's now still here. And then you bring in the two guys from Auburn, Richards, and uh, – uh, Craig Myers. So we'll see how they gel, Mike. Those are those are newer guys we haven't really kind of seen uh, before. So curious to see how those new guys kind of kind of fit in. Most of those guys, I think. Let me think about this while I'm talking. I think all of those guys were four star recruits. Does that sound right? Um, I'll all, take your word for it. All those transfer. <laughs> I feel like those guys were all four star recruits. So let's see how how that infusion of talent, um, you know, helps out in the field. Obviously, new system, new new coordinators. Um, so let's see how, how Malzahn's able to sort of bridge that stuff together uh, and really, you know, fortify the receiver position. Obviously, we talked to Marlon here in a little bit. Uh, there's a huge, huge hole on the receiver side. Mike, a lot of those guys obviously have, have moved on. Uh, and so who's going to step in and step up? Um, I think that'll be another interesting thing to, to see who, who kind of gets first team reps and, uh, you know, who, who's running out there uh, with the with the ones um, at, the, at the receiver spots. Well, we know it's not stretch cradle. Obviously, <laughs> that's not very good. <laughs> but so much talent returning on wide receivers' names. Some of them we were familiar with, guys like Ryan O'Keefe and Jalen Robinson, and even Amari Johnson. But there's some guys, maybe names you've forgotten about, that are very talented kids. And they're like I said earlier, they're coming in with a clean slate, new coaching staff. You may see a name or two that you haven't really heard from that's going to emerge now and get a shot to be up there. At, running with the ones would you uh, so this is a tough question because covid obviously throws a bunch of monkey wrenches into it but outside of that 2018 season right so 2017 undefeated 2018 season starts is this the most excited you've been about an upcoming football season since that 2018 season uh, I was pretty excited coming into 2019 as well. Okay. I mean, coming off two undefeated seasons, 2019, it started off with a bang and the Stanford game. I thought for sure we were on our way to it. After we destroyed Stanford the way we did and having beat Pitt the way we did the year before, I didn't think there was any chance they were going to beat us that day. And then even the way the game played out and we came back and took the lead, once we took that lead up by 10, I thought for sure we were just going to coast the rest of that game. So I thought I had high expectations for 2019 also. And then even last year, I was very excited. After Dylan had played a full season, I figured, okay, here he goes. Now he's got a season under his belt and this team's ready to take off. We still had all the talent we had. I thought we were going to have another very good year, better than what we ended up having. So I'm always excited when the season starts. Uh, I can't remember. The better question for me was when's the last time I wasn't excited to start a season. And um, you got to go back to like 2009 maybe. Well, where maybe we didn't have a, a set quarterback coming off a 2008 season where we struggled. So it's been a long time since I really – even then, I'm still excited because I got tickets and all that stuff. But 
Yeah, I, I'd have to go back that far to say when I wasn't really that excited. All right, so we can clear this up. UCF Mike, very excited about the football season. And again, there's a lot to be excited about. But let's take a quick pause here, Mike. Um, the baseball season uh, is, is in full swing, no pun intended. And UCF had a, had a big series. So uh, let's pause. Commercial. We'll come back. We'll talk baseball. Don't move. All right, I told you to be back. Did you move? I told you not to move. If you moved, then you would have uh, potentially missed this conversation. Like UCF baseball, who um, I believe, if I had this correct, you have pegged as a carbon copy of the 98 Yankees. Um, uh, after a, a tough kind of uh, weekend at FAU, uh, dropped a tough one at, uh, at Stetson or to Stetson. Uh, then we travel over to Ole Miss, who at this point, Mike, is the number one ranked team in the nation. The schedule get juggled a little bit. There was some weather that was uh, in the area. So basically a three-game uh, series got really condensed into two days, so a doubleheader on Saturday. And surprise, surprise, Mike, Knights take the opener, a 3-2 win. They, I mean, I'm going to call it what it is. They basically flub away an easy victory and lose the first game of the doubleheader Saturday 6-5 in a game that they were winning pretty handily. Uh, and without a couple of unforced errors and maybe some untimely pitching, uh, they come out with the win there. And then the rubber match, uh, 40 minutes after that game ended, UCF shakes that off, gets a fantastic pitching performance, and comes out with a 7-2 win, Mike, winning the series against the previously number one ranked SEC power, Old Miss. Uh, what on earth is going on with the baseball team? Exactly what I told you what was going on. We're the 98 Yankees. Everybody panicked after they lost a couple games to FAU. And guess what? FAU is a pretty good team. I believe they're ranked 21 now this morning. Good baseball team. So we lost two out of three on the road. And yeah, the, the Stetson game last week, we looked miserable. 7 nothing shutout. But I said the 98 Yankees started out 1-4 and four that year. They went on to win 125 games, you counting the postseason, 114 in the regular season. We're going to get a little hot streak going now, and the team was tested. And basically, this was our first three games with our head coach in the dugout. That's true. So do you want to say the season started this weekend? That's one way of looking at it. And baseball is a funny game, and sometimes – and I told you these guys played to the level of their opponent. Well, we were playing against the number one team in the country, and we played at that level all weekend. We should have swept them. Looking back on it, the way you just said, that would have been big news. And it was still a very good weekend, winning two out of three on the road. At Ole Miss had won, I believe, 20 games in a row coming into this series. Obviously, last year's season got cut short. I, I don't think they had lost a game since, not at home anyway, going all the way back to 2019. Uh, very good performance, pitching, hitting. We, we're showing some power at the plate. I love the way the team's playing now, and now the confidence starts to grow. And, that, and that's baseball is ninety percent mental. What did Yogi say? Half the game is ninety percent mental. Yeah, yeah. So um, now the team is is feeling themselves a little bit. Had a very good weekend, Baby. and here we go. Now we get hot, and we go from here. Ninety-eight Yankees winning twenty-two of the next twenty-four games. Well, yeah, if, if you want to understand what happened, let's look no further than than pitching. So, in, in the games against FAU, we gave up twelve runs. 20 runs, 
six runs and the loss to Stetson seven runs. And then um, uh, at Ole Miss, we gave up two runs, six runs, two runs respectively. So uh, obviously the, the pitching performance, uh, Mike, much better. Uh, some timely hitting as well. Um, that double header, uh, I don't know if you, uh, so I, I watched pretty much every pitch of that first game, that first game on Saturday. And I mean, again, it was right there for the taking. UC have had that game one, uh, just to sort of a, uh, a husband and wife ball that we we don't really handle very well and and we we let the the winning run come in um but we've got to rebound quickly mike wednesday we're at stetson now obviously stetson blanked us seven nil uh the previous week so we get our, our early our sort of our early midweek revenge against stetson um do you think there's some momentum to be carried here mike do you think ucf can uh some sort of uh, ride the tide if you will of winning a, a big series against the number one ranked team definitely Definitely, baseball is a big game of momentum, but also momentum it always is your next day starting pitcher. So we could be riding high as, as high as we want, but we come out and give up four runs in the first inning, all that momentum goes out the window. And that's what happened this past weekend. We didn't do that. Our pitchers went in there, and they pitched solid. You know, Colton Gordon on Friday night, six solid innings, seven solid innings, I believe. Um, A.J. Jones on Sunday yeah. shut him down, yeah. and – that's it. And then the bats do a, exactly what they need to do. We're showing pop, like I said, hitting home runs. Chicks dig the long ball. These guys are, are hitting home runs. They're doing it in style. And, yeah, we, we owe Stetson now. So Stetson beat us up last week at home. Well, let's go to their park and even things up. Yeah, Ben McCabe had a hell of a series. He, he homered in both games of that doubleheader. Uh, so he definitely was uh, was swinging hot bat, Mike. Obviously, not yet sure who the uh, who the starting pitcher will be um, at Stetson, but then uh, UCF turns around and they have a three game tilt at home against Liberty, the Liberty Flames coming to town. Uh, all three of those games will will be available on ESPN Plus for you. Uh, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, six, four, and noon respectively. And then, Mike, the schedule gets a little weird. We go um, uh, at UNF here in Jacksonville on a Wednesday, then back home uh, for a Friday game, at UNF for a Saturday game, back home for a Sunday game. So we basically play a flip-flop uh, right after that with four games for UNF. So uh, a couple of uh, a good series coming up for UCF. And, uh, you know, I don't know much about the Liberty and or UNF baseball teams, Mike, but it feels like these are winnable games uh, where if we can, you know, we can take a, and sweep all of these series um, you know, that gets us right back to a, a, a matchup again with FAU coming up March 16th. So there certainly is uh, some schedule ahead that uh, maybe breaks favorably, but uh, it's pitching, it's pitching, and it's more pitching. And that's kind of where UCF's lifeblood has to be right now. Right. So there's eight games coming up before the FAU showdown again. Um, win six, at, go six and two, and you take that every day of the week. Um, you're going to slip up here and there, maybe seven and one. If you're the 98 Yankees, you go 8-0. So let's see where these guys are at. The North Florida series is interesting, the flip-flopping there and back. I think it's because when I was talking to Trace when we were at the game the other day, um, Conference USA teams, and I don't know, where is North Florida, what conference they're in? They're probably same rules. They don't allow their teams to stay places overnight. So they have to go there, and that's why they're going back and forth that way. And I got a question for you. Yeah. There's a Saturday game in Jacksonville. Yes, sir. Has Trace contacted you? Is he going to that? Are you going? I have not spoken with Trace about that. It is a, it's a distinct possibility. Um, Actually, it's not a possibility because that date is a day we have plans to do something else. Um, (laughs) uh, Yes, definitely can't go. Wednesday night. uh, Wednesday could be it. My wife just bought tickets for something on that night. So won't be going to that one, but maybe that Wednesday nighter. uh, I could, that could be your boy. I could be on that one. And then, uh, 
Well, they're back at home, uh, obviously, and then they come back up here to play Jacksonville uh, for two on a Friday, Saturday. So maybe the Jacksonville stuff, although UNF's much closer to my house, but what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, well, they're both located in Jacksonville, Florida. Huh? Uh, that's what I hear. So... I don't know. How do you know which one's closer to your house? You researched know, this already? I know where my house is. <laughs> and I, and I, know where, <laughs> I know where those are. And so I know that's closer. Um, but I will How say this. Uh, I had to look at the, one of my map quests. Um, I will say this. As much as I know you rail against ESPN Plus, and uh, trust me, the quality on, on football games is horrendous. Basketball is not much better. It's actually pretty good to have this as, a, as an arsenal item right now because – on, on the weekends, if you just go to your ESPN Plus, there's probably a volleyball game on. There's probably a softball game on. You catch these baseball games. And these are things that if you didn't go to the stadiums and you weren't on campus prior to this, you never got to watch some of these events. So I will say ESPN Plus is warming up on me. Now, the quality of the broadcast is terrible, uh, and the announcing is usually pretty bad, um, unless it's ELO and on the softball stuff. Uh, much love, ELO. Um, but other than that, I just turn the volume down, and I'm good to go. But I will say it's been nice to be able to at least get access to some of these games and some of these sports that you previously wouldn't have had access to, Mike. Well, when comparing it to nothing, yes, it's better than nothing. That is correct. That is what uh, I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I remember years ago watching baseball on the internet. Um, I, I, it wasn't ESPN Plus. I don't remember what it was. Maybe CSTV had some kind of streaming or something. But, um, yeah, it, it's better than nothing, like I said. And the first game, the FAU series, the first game I remember watching, Mark Daniels was actually doing the game. Mm-hmm. He was doing it by himself. I mean, can we get somebody else in the booth there with him? What are you busy? Uh, can you, are you available? Well, I'm not really available, especially for these weekday <laughs> games. I live <laughs> okay. three hours away. All right. <laughs> but I'm sure there's got to be somebody up there that knows some baseball. Uh, ben Stout. I mean, I he's, Ben Stout's everywhere. Maybe Ben Stout, you know, baseball <laughs> color color man too, or what do you think? Yeah, sure. Ben Stout, any former baseball player that's been that's up there in the area, I'm sure can lend a hand. Because ba- baseball is very tough to do when you're all by yourself. I mean, there's so much dead time to kill. Baseball is a great game where you can tell stories in between pitches and all that stuff. And uh, I love Mark; he does a great job. But to do it by himself is very hard. I feel like you and I could do a baseball game. Sure, I think. I mean, I mean here's I the two two well that we came fouled off to the back. Anyway, Mike. So when you're you're cooking a waffle, I feel like we could pull that off somehow. I feel like it's really just our <laughs> show in between. You know, the two two to McCabe fouled off. You know, Jones back to the rubber. I mean, I feel like we could pull that off. <laughs> Is this something we're doing now live? We're doing it live since UCF. We're probably not allowed to. But if uh, so, UCF won't do our spring game idea. They can at least let us do play by play of a game. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that'd be cool we'll for compromise. Yeah, we'll compromise. As soon as the UCF takeover, you know, we will we will announce the game, uh, probably poorly, <laughs> but what are you going to do? Uh, it's probably going to be better than than that anyway. Um, so baseball uh, heating up. Mike, basketball has been on the pause. Uh, the Temple game got coveted, uh, and so the Temple game not happening and will not be made up. And so UCF does not play again until Thursday evening. Uh, so a pretty long stretch there before their. Uh, their next game, and then uh, not a whole lot of time before the, the tournament starts, Mike. So uh, an unfortunate turn of events for the uh, for the Hoops team. Just starting to gel together, just starting to kind of get things going, positive momentum, and now they have a, a what? It's going to be like a 10-day layoff in between games when it's all said and done. Uh, pretty disappointing. I'm sure it's frustrating for those guys, too, because they were just starting to really kind of put all things together. Yeah, and winnable games that we needed to get back to 500. We could have won these last three games. Temple was a team that beat us early in the year where we really shouldn't have lost them. They're not a good team. Um, we 
beat Tulsa already once. So let's see. No, this one would have been at home. Uh, I think we kind of had a shot to get back to 11-11 on the season heading into the conference tournament. But now that's kind of been taken away from us. So let's see. We know the team did not react well from the first COVID layoff. Let's see now, hopefully, having experienced it once, maybe we're better prepared for it. But if you are looking for some drama in your life, here's the scenario for the women's basketball team. In order to win the conference, they have to win out. They have two games left, Mike. They have to win um, both of these games to win the conference. And look who it is. Uh, look who our opponent happens to be, Mike. It is the Cows. UCF uh, women's team plays Tuesday um, at the Cows, and then Thursday in Orlando. UCF wins both those games. They win the uh, they win the division. They win the conference, if you will. Uh, so if you're looking for some drama in your life, the uh, the women's team has got you covered, Mike. Two games against the Cows for the championship. Would you have it any other way? No, <laughs> but the Cows. This is their best sport, women's basketball. They have a very good team. Now, if I had to ask you a question, would you rather be, win these two games against the Cows or you know, split or even lose both of them, but then win the tournament and guarantee yourself a spot in, in the big dance? You take that instead, right? Well, of course, yes. <laughs> if I'm going to win the, if I'm going to actually know I'm getting to the tournament, yes, I will, I will definitely take that. Because there is no guarantee that even if we finish in second, we may not make the, the big dance in women's basketball. I think we're winning it close to the bubble, right? Yeah, so we are 13 and 2 overall. Uh the Cows are 14 and 2. They are 12 and 1 in conference. We are 11 and 1 in conference, but our uh, our RPI is 25, which is not bad. Um but we'll see if uh, the American can get three teams into the conference. Houston's women's team is also pretty good. Uh so I think there's a possibility um that we may be able to sneak in, but if we get our doors blown off by the Cows, that that's not going to look good. So um, if you want drama, here, here it is, friends. Uh, tune in. I don't know. I think they're both going to be on ESPN Plus games, actually. So Tuesday's game on ESPN Plus. Thursday's game is on ESPN U. So you've got some. Uh, so you've got ESPN Plus on Tuesday for women's hoops. You got ESPN Plus on Wednesday for uh, baseball, I believe, and then you have ESPN U on Thursday for women's hoops again, and men's hoops also after that night. And the Suns UCF live. Your schedule is covered, people. Oh my goodness, you guys are busy. And it's nice that women's basketball actually has a shot of winning the conference because for years with UConn in here, there was never really a chance. Everybody was always playing for second place. So here we go. Two games to go. Win two, and you're the champs. Let's see if we can pull it off. All right, Mike. Let's see if we can pull this next game off. We, I don't know why we haven't done this sooner. Uh, it was right there the entire time. Uh, shame on us for never figuring this out. A brand-new game debuts next. Stick around. If that's not a reason to stay, I don't know what is. So don't go. Sons of UCF, we are coming right back after this. Mike and Adam, Sons of UCF, that'll move those chains. That's good enough for another UCF first down. This is a time. I wish I had some exciting um, game show sound music, Mike, because um, I would play it right now because I'm so excited for this game. Um, and frankly, I'm embarrassed because this game was here for the taking the entire time. Um, and we've played so many different games throughout our time on the show. Uh, and, and not once did we ever, ever think of playing this one. I don't know. It was, it was right there. It's just, I feel silly, but I'm happy that we figured it out now and we are going to debut it for you right here, right now. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the first edition of charge on or charge off. Mike, I will make a statement and you tell me if you're charging on with that statement 
or if you're charging off. Very simple game. It's the same game we play every time. This one just seems a lot cooler because it actually has a UCF tie in mic. So are you ready for the first charge on, charge off? I am very excited to play this game. So, yes, hit me with the first one. Here's the first one, Mike. Dylan Gabriel will have less touchdown passes and yards thrown for in 2021. Charge on or charge off? Uh, I'm going to have to probably say charge on. No, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Do you have his stats? from? Uh, Of course. Here we go. (laughs) Here we go. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. We're talking about a 10-game season that we just played, and yeah. now we're going to play a 12-game season coming up? Is that the trick of the question that you're giving It me? could be. you got to factor that in, yeah. Because per game-wise, I think he'll throw for less. We have four games, I believe, of over 400 yards. I don't have his totals for the season. So if you don't have those, it's kind of hard for me to uh, answer this. But I think per game-wise, he'll throw for less yards and less touchdowns. I expect – well, I mean, scoring-wise, we, we – we were pretty balanced. We scored with a lot of running back touchdowns too. Um, I just have a feeling it's going to be charge off, or no, charge on. I guess right. <laughs> All right, here, I agreed with the statement. <laughs> yes. Well, here's what I got for you. So he uh, in ten games to your point, thirty five hundred yards, thirty two uh-huh. touchdowns. Now, now just for comparables, just so you, just sit tight for a second. Freshman year, thirteen games, thirty six hundred yards. So only hundred yards um, more. And 29 touchdowns, so less, touch, less touchdowns. Oof. I mean, it's still a very good season if he throws 30 touchdowns. It is. Oh, yeah. I'm not, less. Yeah, so here's the, here's the other uh, part of the question. I'm not saying if he doesn't that we're, we're going to be a bad team. Um, it just may be a function of the offense. Right. And a big part of that is all the receivers that are leaving. And uh, we, we're probably going to be more of a run-heavy offense. We're probably going to uh, – have less possession. I don't know, less possession, less plays per game. You would think we slow things down a little bit. So I'll stick with my charge on. I think he'll have a little less yards, a little less touchdowns, but doesn't necessarily mean a lesser season for Dylan Gabriel. And just for comparable. So Bo Nix, who was uh, the quarterback at Auburn, obviously that uh, Malzahn worked with. Uh, so in 20, uh, he was obviously a true freshman 2019. He threw for 2,500 yards in 2018, the Auburn quarterback was one Jared Stidham. He threw for 2,700 yards. In 2017, again, Jared Stidham, that was the Peach Bowl year for them, 3,100 yards. And in 2016, the quarterback was efforting. It was uh, some guy named Sean White, threw for 1,600 yards. And then the year before that was some guy that you've probably never heard of, neither have I. His name is Jeremy Johnson. He threw for 1,000 yards. So Stidham's the closest at 3,100 in that 17 season. Right. Yeah. I I wouldn't put it past Gabriel to to throw up some big numbers. But, um, no, I I can't see him throwing more touchdowns and yards than he had this past couple years. All right. I think I agree with you. But it doesn't mean that it's a bad season, by the way. It just means that the Malzahn offense is a little bit different. And so he may not be the stats for those who, uh, and not anybody who listens to us, but the national media people out there are going to go, what's wrong with Dylan Gabriel this year? Um, the people who aren't going to watch the games and just read the box scores, they may look at it and go, oh my goodness, what's what's going on here? But uh, that doesn't mean it won't equate to wins on the field, Mike. Okay, here we go. Next one for you. Now this assumes, I don't know how long Gus will be at UCF. So if it's two years, 10 years, I have no idea. But here's the question. Gus will get a five-star recruit 
to go to UCF before he leaves? Charge on or charge off? Charge on. I think we're going to finally see our first ever five-star player. It's not completely unheard of. Houston's done it, right? Uh, I think even... Yeah, I think even like Southern Miss at one point had a five-star commit to them. Uh, I think it was a guy that had some um, off-field issues and probably ran out of options. But I think Gus is going to do it. Maybe not this year. But we see the trend, how he's putting on his offers now. And he's going to start getting some four-star guys. A couple baby steps. Maybe this year we we land a handful of these four-stars. And maybe by next year, once people see his system in place here at UCF and see what he's building, we land a big blue chipper, a five-star, somewhere in the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the hope, right? I think, obviously, you, you know, you see how UCF is doing. If we're, we're getting into the four-star game right now, it seems to be the predominant, um, you know, guys we're going after. I think a couple of guys at the five-star level have been offered. Um, so we'll see if those guys actually commit. I've seen UCF string some wins together, and we have some successful seasons. Um, you know, I think the, 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 the way is there. So I will be, po- I'll be positive with you. I will be optimistic. I will say that I agree. That's a charge on, um, so and you also said he, it could be 10 years from yeah. now. If he's here for 10 years and we're in the big 12 by then, yeah. I think we should be still landing multiple five stars. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So this is a, a, this is an unfortunate question I have to ask you, Mike, but it's the reality. Um, it, it happens everywhere after spring game. Uh, you typically will see some guys who decide maybe this isn't the place for them and they will put their name in the transfer portal, particularly with a new coaching staff going through spring practice. I think we saw that with Trey Neal. I think it's probably the most recent example I can give you after a coaching change, Mike. So charge on or charge off more than two and a half players will transfer out of UCF after spring ball. Cool. More than two and a half. Uh, yeah, I'll say yes, charge on. I think maybe the, there will be some players that are not happy with what happens when uh, spring ball is done. Maybe guys will see the writing on the wall. Maybe some guys, uh, the coaching staff may not mind seeing go. So two and a half, we're talking about about 100 guys. Um, I think it's very possible. That's a very low percentage overall. Yep. So, yeah, uh, I'll say charge on three guys or more decide to transfer out. Yeah, I think it's just, it's inevitable, right? I think that's just a turnover that you always see in a program. Um, you know, the only difference this year is that the transfer portal is so jam packed with guys that, uh, unless you're a marquee guy, um, you know, you may not have that opportunity to go to a new school or you're, you'll have to go to maybe a program that, you know, would be considered lesser, but I, it's, it's going to be hard to keep to your point, a hundred guys, absolutely 100% happy. Um, some guys probably, I think Malzahn said this in one of his press conferences, Mike, he said, essentially every position, every battle is back open. So fresh eyes, fresh battles, you know, no preconceived notions. I think he said he didn't even watch a lot of film um, because he just wanted sort of a fresh eye on it. So if you're a guy who was getting some run and you were part of the two deep and all of a sudden now you're not, um, you know, you, you may start to look around and go, is this the spot for me? So uh, we, uh, we will see uh, how that works out. But I, I think I tend to agree with you on that one as well. You probably see a couple of guys who decide to, to move on for maybe a better situation. Right. And like I said, there's going to be guys that Mazan comes in and his staff sees, maybe this guy's not the right fit for us, meant for the system we run. And I'm not going to come right out and tell the guys, get out. But the writing will be on the wall for some of these guys and that maybe they'll have a better chance playing 
somewhere else. All right. This is a tough one again, Mike. Charge on, charge off. This coaching staff, so that's the 10 uh, staff field assistants and the strength coach, this coaching staff will be the same one that will start the 2022 season. Charge on or charge off? Charge off. All right, someone's getting charge fired. All right, cool. Now. Who's getting fired? Give, give, us, give us the details. <laughs> I don't know if somebody's getting fired, but somebody may only be here for a year and then take a job somewhere else, whether that's because they did a great job and somebody's going to pay them more. That's a possibility. But also the fact that Malzahn had to put this staff together really last minute after everything else has already been filled. Maybe he didn't get his top choice in every position, or maybe he's got his eye on already somebody for next year that he wasn't able to get for this year. Um, uh, it's very rare that the entire staff comes back more than one year in a row anyway. So I'll just playing the numbers here. I'll, I'll say at some point, one of these guys will only be here for a year. Probably right again. That's, that's the logical pick though. These guys all have two year contracts. Uh, some of them, uh, some of the younger guys came on, on a pretty cheap deal. Uh, you know, T will is a name that we had heard from, a. Uh, our, our, one of our Auburn insiders, not the one trapped in a closet, but the other one, uh, he mentioned that um, his name, T. Will's name, was bandied about as a possible option for the head job at Auburn. So you got to think if UCF's defense puts together a pretty big uh, season and uh, he'll become a hot commodity a la Marcus Freeman at Cincinnati type of situation. So um, so you're right. You could see some guys get a chance to, uh, to, to further their careers. Um, it's, it's hard to keep staffs together. Frost was able to keep his, his staff together pretty much. I think largely those two years. Then Kevin Smith left after year one to go to, um, FAU or did he stay for the 16 year? I think he stayed for the 16 year left for the 17 year. Um, obviously hypo kept his staff together for the first two years and then started losing guys. Uh, so we'll see, I guess your odds are probably in your favor. So I'll, I'll give you this one. Um, but hopefully it's for good reasons. Not, uh, not for bad. Yeah. You don't want to see somebody get fired after one year. So uh, you hope that's not the case, but I think chances are somebody will be gone. Next up, in 2021, UCF will have more than 1.5 special team return touchdowns. 2021, more than 1.5 return touchdowns. I'm not talking block kicks. I'm not talking block field goals. I'm talking actual punt and or kick return touchdowns, Mike. Charge on or charge off? Uh, I got to say charge off more than one. I mean, I, I think there's a chance we get one, but now you're talking about getting two. <laughs> yes. In the same two. Year. We a, whole, a whole two. We haven't had two in, since Mike Hughes basically did it. Um, nah, I can see one. I, I don't see two. I, I hope I'm wrong on this one. I hope maybe we get somebody back there that loves doing the kick returns and the punt returns and, we have the next Mike Hughes, the next Joe Burnett somewhere on this roster. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, maybe Ryan O'Keefe is that guy. We know the speed is out there. Um, so I'm going to say charge off, hoping that I'm wrong. Hit me with a charge on. I'm going to be optimistic here. We saw Amari Johnson uh, return some some kicks last year. He seemed like he was pretty live, like he wanted to run some around. You already mentioned O'Keefe. He's a speedster. We have a Kavan Ahmad. He's a speedster. So we definitely got the speed back there. I think we got some guys who would give it a shot. Um, so I'm going to be optimistic here. I'm going to go charge on. I have no idea who. I have no idea when. And I also, I also know it's not easy to do this, but give me charge on just because, you know, I don't want to have the same answer as you every time. <laughs> I, mean, I would love that. The kick return, the punt return for a touchdown is one of the most exciting plays in football. 
also you don't get a lot of chance. We don't see a lot of guys return kicks anymore. There's so many kicks just go out the end zone. How many kickoffs did we actually return this year? Uh, I don't think it was more than a handful or a yeah. couple of handfuls. So yeah, we, we fair caught a lot. All right. I'm going to switch these to basketball for a sec for you. you. Ready for this? Sure. The UCF men's team will win at least one game in the AAC tourney. Charge on or charge off? Charge on, but I mean, I'd rather answer this after I see who we draw in the first round. Because <laughs> if we had a bad matchup, we may be one and done. But uh, we competed with teams like Wichita, who's one of the top teams in this conference. We should have beat them both times. We lost both times. Um, Memphis has always been a tough matchup for us. Houston would be very tough. But any other school in this in this conference, I think uh, I give us a shot of beating anyway. Historically, we don't do well in this tournament. Usually, we are we are one and done. So maybe I'm just being optimistic, Homer guy. But if we can get maybe the cows or somebody in the first round, I'd love to have a, a at least one victory. All right, here's the next one for you. This is a tough one. Um, right, what about you? You think we're winning the game? Ah, so yeah. To answer this question too, um, probably not. No, I'm gonna go charge off. <laughs> Yeah, just I mean, just the, the start, not because we don't have the talent, just start-stop nature of uh, how the season's gone so far for us. Um, you know, just not getting a lot of momentum, um, depending on how many games we get in, who who we play against. Uh, just still a young team hasn't gelled. I mean, I want to say yes, but I'm, I'm going to go charge off. So hopefully I'm wrong. Um, speaking of one and done, Mike, here's my last one for you. Um, Isaiah Adams, heralded freshman. Uh, this will be his only season at UCF. He will leave after this year to declare for the draft. Mike, charge on or charge off? Charge off. I don't see him leaving after one year. I don't see anybody on this basketball team to go to the NBA. I mean, no, I think he's still got some work to do. He's had a very good season. He's shown a lot of promise. But I don't think there's anybody on this team that's ready to go to the league or the association, I guess they call it, right? Um. I think he'd be well served to come back for another year and keep improving. Um, I don't see anybody leaving early, at least not this season. Uh, I yep. I, th- I think I agree with you, Mike. I mean, uh, you know, kids these days, though, obviously there, there's options. There's G League stuff that's available. Some guys are making money there. We saw Darren Green test the waters uh, last year to get some feedback, and he obviously came back. Um, obviously I think Adam still has a little bit of growing to do, um, in terms of game, not physical. Uh, well, actually he could probably get a little stronger. Um, he's pretty skinny as a kid. Um, I, I want to say charge off Mike, but just something tells me that, um, you know, he, he may think about the opportunity to start playing, playing pro ball. So I'm going to say charge on, um, I'm not saying I, that may be the right decision, but that I think I'm going to go charge on for this one. Are we seeing a lot of college kids playing a year and then going overseas and just starting to get paid and then coming back to the NBA? Is yeah. that happening more and more? Yeah, it's happening a little bit. Um, it's not a huge trend, but the, the G League has started this new thing now where essentially uh, they are um, they you know are, are paying some of these uh, high, high school kids um, and essentially putting them on like a developmental team that plays other G League teams. They're getting like real NBA coaching from former NBA coaches and players and whatnot. Uh, it's kind of a select team that goes around. They're, they're they're getting paid comparable money to what you would do if you went overseas, like an RJ Hampton or Lamelo Ball did. Now, obviously, I'm not saying Isaiah Adams is at this level, but um, you you are seeing some kids, and, and they, again, they're they're pretty good kids who are getting that opportunity. So, um, 
not a huge trend, but I mean, when, when money's out there to be had, Mike, I mean, and, and kids are, kids are thinking about the next steps. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he made an effort, I'm not saying he would make it. I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar. I'm not saying he should, but I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if maybe he makes that decision. How many guys that go to the G League end up making it into the NBA? God, if I know. Yeah, I have no clue. Uh, not a lot, frankly, right? I mean, obviously, that's obviously why the G League's there, um, but not not a ton. It's it's certainly not a, a huge pipeline. But it's also the first time some of these kids straight out of high school are trying this. So uh, who, who knows? Obviously, Isaiah Adams wouldn't fit that mold, but it's probably not the most um, stellar career path option. All right. The NBA is probably the hardest league to break into. And if you're not one of the first, a first round pick, it's very difficult. Definitely. If you're not in the, the second round, do they even have a third round? I don't even know. I don't they think do so. They do not. No, they do not. So yeah, if you're not a draft pick, uh, your chances of getting in there are very slim. I'd say come back for another year, develop your game a little more. Like you said, get stronger. And after two years, two years, I think is good in college. If you can come for two years, the only guys that come for a year and leave are superstars like Carmelo Anthony and guys like that where it's very obvious that they're better than everybody else in college. Yeah, I mean, you know, with the NBA rules as they are, I mean, that's kind of kind of what it is. I'd be curious, you know, if how many of these kids, you know, if Isaiah Adams would have thought about going to the league at that point, but... Uh, so that's charge on, charge off, Mike. What did you think? I mean, it was it was there for us the entire time. We never even thought about it. Now it's here. Maybe it's going to become our new thing going forward. Yeah, sure. It was enjoyable. You want me to throw a couple for you? If, you? if you've got them, I don't want to put you on the spot. But if you're prepared, I mean, I'm always ready to, to handle, you know, whatever charge on, charge off action you got, my friend. All right. Some not so serious ones. Okay. All right. The uniforms the last few years have been, you know, different. Right, and we've seen the addition of the space uniforms and Canaveral blue. Continuing with the Canaveral blue theme, charge on or charge off? What do you mean by theme? As an accent well, color, as like a, the piping on the jersey? Or are you talking about going like full on like blue jerseys, blue pants, blue helmets, something like that? Uh, yeah, whatever. I, so I guess you you like it as an accent, but you don't like it as a as a yeah. Jersey color. I'm okay with it as an accent. If you want to put some, you know, some blue striping around the sleeves, a, you know, a, a, a blue logo on the collar, uh, I'm fine with that. I think it's a, it's a pretty interesting, you know, uh, just a little twist on stuff. But I don't want to go full on like Carolina blue uniform because then we're not UCF, and then we're Carolina. So use it as an accent color. Uh, you know, put it around the numbers if you want. But, um, but I don't, I don't want it as my, my primary color. So I guess I'll say charge on. I'm okay with the theme, but. We, we don't need to do any more um, in terms of adding um, some of those el- other, you know, you know, full Jersey elements. We just, just accent color only. All right, I'm going to charge off with it all together. I think that was a Danny white thing. He liked that color. He's uh, he had the, the polo with the Canaveral blue. I don't like it. Get rid of it. I mean, it, it was okay for a little while. Uh, now I think it's run its course back to the black and gold. Forget the Canaveral blue and all these other little gimmicky colors. I'm done with those. Charge off. I, I know you're a traditionalist under uniforms. You're a Yankee fan. That should make a ton of sense. Um, and I'm not saying that every game, maybe it's one game a year, they do some sort of special jersey and they, they throw on some additional, uh, you know, Canaveral blue accoutrement. But, um, yeah, I mean, it can stay around a little bit, but let's just not go crazy. All right. How about the <laughs> – remember we saw the Citronaut mascot, the blow-up doll. 
<laughs> that came out that one time. How are you feeling about the Citronite overall? Do you like the direction it's going? Do you think that mascot needs to make a return? Charge on, charge off on the Citronite. Well, charge right the hell off on that blow-up mascot, okay? Because that was, that was a godforsaken idea. Uh, again, I'm okay with the Citronaut uh, mascot logo thing. I don't know if I'm fully in the camp of that should be our new logo and moniker and all that stuff. I mean, it certainly has a little bit more of an eye-catching um, or an ear-catching ring than Knights does, right? It's a little less common. Um, but I don't. A Citronaut is also sort of a made-up thing, um, and not that not that you can't have a made-up mascot. It's just. It seems a little much. I would need to warm into it. I, again, I'm okay with it as a throwback. I'm okay with it as a little zany, you know, alternate logo situation. Throw it on some merch, you know, sell some more stuff. It'll probably fly off the shelves. But I, I, I would, I would stop short of doing a complete and total Citronaut rebrand right now. And I would definitely get the hell out of here with the blow up mascot. So I'm not sure. I think it's a half charge on, half charge off on that one. <laughs> is there a way they could do the mascot that you would like it? it just you'll need a a traditional mascot. Yeah, give, give me live action person. Like give me person inside orange costume is is essentially what I would go with, right? Um, and even then, it wouldn't look great, obviously. But give me uh, give me real human in costume, and then I would be more apt to enjoy it uh, rather than that inflatable, you know, side of the road car dealership like waving around guy they had. I think there was a human inside that thing. I feel I bad for that person. Oh my goodness. Is there hazard pay? Is there good Lord? <laughs> what's the job description for that look like? Jeez. All right. This one may be a little controversial too. Nugget as one of our, yeah, here you go with I, Nugget. I again. You, wanna, yeah. <laughs> you call it a mascot. What do you consider Nugget? Is yeah. It, see, uh, I know where you are. I'm charged on with Nugget and here's why I don't think I don't consider Nugget to be a mascot. Um, I consider Nugget to be just kind of like a friend of the program, uh, somebody who, uh, you know, similarly to, uh, I don't know, somebody who's around the, the school that you, uh, you you like a lot but isn't necessarily a formal official kind of thing. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I consider Nugget to be sort of an accessory, maybe a part of the entourage of, of, uh, of Pegasus the horse. So uh, I'm charged on Nugget because I don't consider her, her or anything, um, to be a sort of a, a real full-fledged mascot, just more of a sort of a, a fun, uh, little quirky, um, you know, inside type of joke. So I'm charging on with Nugget under that premise. I think Nugget's had to take a step back now with the whole COVID thing. They can't get go around petting Nugget all the time and having people put their hands on it. So I think maybe it's on its way out. That's, an, that's another one of these things where, I don't know, it's just never never caught on for me. I, I know the kids love it, and uh, I don't know. I, I kind of done it with Nugget, too. It's kind of run its course. Wow. I'd rather see um, Glycerin back on the side. Oh, get out. Charge off. Charge all the way off with Glycerin. <laughs> that was a, that's a terrible idea. Charge all the way off. <laughs> Nitro's lonely, man. Nitro needs to get some little action. He took his girlfriend away. Give, come up with a new girlfriend for Nitro. How about that? Uh, I mean, sure, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if we need to, I suppose. I mean, Glycerin's not it. I mean, Citronaut would be controversial. We shouldn't go there. Nugget definitely doesn't work. Um I'm good with my traditional nitro. I mean, here's the guy. You're a guy who doesn't want a new uniform, but you want you want a, a, a nitro family to, to roll out on the field at, at, at halftime. I don't I don't understand how that how that happens. I don't understand. 
I just feel bad for the guy. He had a girlfriend one time 20 years ago. Now he's got nothing. He's, he's petting the He's got the knights, bro. He's a, charging a on. He's fine. He's knighting everybody now. He's got all these he's he's a famous uh, you know, uh, knighter of of coaches and athletic directors. I mean, his pro Lee Corso uh, stole his outfit. I mean, he's he's living the dream, man. I think Nacho's good. <laughs> you say so. I do. I think I feel good. bad for him. He's got that big sword. He's got nothing to do with it. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> baby. <laughs> All right. All right. Last one. Terry Mahajer came in hot with his TikTok videos. What do you think? Miles on. Charge on, charge off. We see a couple of TikToks out of the old ball coach now. Um, do I want to see it or do I think he'll do it? Yeah, do you want to see him do it? Uh, charge off with that. Uh, yeah, I, I I couldn't. I don't access TikTok. We actually have a TikTok. My my thirteen year old ran it. I think she posted one thing, and we haven't seen anything on there since. So she's been she's been fired summarily. Um, yeah, I'm not on TikTok. I don't. Uh, I mean, for Mohajer, it sounds like it's a family thing. I'm all good with that, right? You know, you have you have little kids. They they make you do funny stuff at times. And as parents, you just kind of go along because that's what your kid wants. So we all do it. I'm okay with it. Um, but I don't need to see Gus doing that too. I don't. I don't think Gus has younger children. Um, Gus has got the Waffle House quirk. I think that's where he stays in the lane with the Waffle House. Let Mohajer have TikTok. Malzahn's got the Waffle House. We're all set there. So I'm charging off with Gus uh, hopping on uh, at Gus M on TikTok. Well, how about a TikTok video of Gus at Waffle House uh, scarfing down a couple waffles after his first wing? You wouldn't be down for that? I mean, I get, I, I'm sure any video of him doing that I think would be funny. I guess if it has to be on TikTok, then I would watch it. But I envision that DeSalvo and, and the crew are just coming up with – I mean, I imagine the Waffle House ideas are just filling a whiteboard right now of how they're going to incorporate that. If there's not a sponsorship involved at some point, I, I'd be surprised there. I don't know if Waffle House sponsored Auburn football, but you got to imagine there's probably some synergies there from a sponsor perspective. So um, so I, I, any video I'd be in, if it's got to be TikTok, then I guess it's got to be TikTok. We still don't have a – Sponsor for the stadium. How about the Waffle Bounce House? Oh, oh, all right. Okay. I see what you did there. Okay. There you go. Combine the two. I see what you did there. Uh, Again, free another free marketing idea from the Sons of UCF. We've got the spring game thing figured out. We've now named the stadium. We think we could do um, play-by-play. So I think we've got it. We've got it all covered here on the show. I only want 10%. So other than that, we're good. Yeah, and if, if that's not enough, next we have uh, one of the all-time greats at UCF, a fantastic 2020 season, and the uh, the only three-time winner of the Suns UCF Breakout Player of the Year Award. Don't go anywhere. Marlon Williams, right after this, Suns of UCF. The Suns have a new interview. Listen up. All right. Well, it's not uh, too often around here. If you guys listen to the show, you know that the uh, the guest that we have tonight is a uh, is a guy that uh, I have long been a fan of. In fact, he's the three time winner of the Sons of UCF uh, Breakout Player of the Year award. Uh, and breakout he did. He actually just wrapped up his UCF career, finished with twenty two hundred yards, nineteen touchdowns, including ten of those here in the twenty twenty season. He is now preparing for the NFL draft, and uh, we are so glad to have Mr. Marlon Williams on the show with us tonight. First off, Marlon, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thank y'all for having me. Well, we we appreciate. It. Let's let, let's. We got a lot of fun stuff. I got a lot of questions I got to ask you about. Uh, but let me start at the beginning. Um, so, your journey to UCF. I know you were initially committed to USC, but then flipped to UCF late in the, in the process. What drove the decision to to decide to come to UCF? 
Um, really close frost. Um, I took my official here, and and after after taking that that visit, I I knew I wanted to go. Um, my mom wanted me to take some other visits, but I really wanted to commit as soon as I left. But I took a couple visits, but I already knew I had my mind made up after coming to campus and touring it. What was it about the campus? Was it just the, the scenery, the size, the, the facilities? What about campus attracted you to it? Uh, the scenery, uh, the weather. Uh, it was everything, really. It was just something different that I hadn't been used to. Um, it wasn't too far away from home, either. Coach Frost, he, uh, he was a great recruiter. Well, yeah, you, I think it was mostly him. <laughs> well, you were also a, a pretty legit basketball player, as well. Was uh, did, you, did you try to uh, get on Coach Dawkins' radar or try to get some run on, yeah. the, uh, on the basketball team at all? Nah, I wasn't trying to play basketball. You know, and had a lot of uh, six foot point guards. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. We could have used you. I mean, we had a bunch of years where everybody was injured. You might have gotten some some serious run for us for a while there. <laughs> nah, that would have been cool. But nah, they, you got to I think it's a height in basketball. <laughs> <laughs> you can dunk though, right? You're able. To yeah, dunk. I can. Yeah, definitely. Now, I dunk, I, the first time I dunked was like seventh, eighth grade. But you can't dunk over taco. Nah, I think I can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you saw the field in every game your freshman year, and we know that was the perfect season, magical season. How would you describe the ending of that season, those last three games, the games against the Cows, the championship game, and then the, the Peach Bowl? Oh, man, those those three games, I think those were the best games I ever played in. Um, they, I mean, it was just the atmosphere of fans. Uh, it's something I'll never forget. I tell like I tell even the young guys on the team, like that was the best that was the best year of my life. Like those three games. I don't think I'll ever play any games like that again. I mean, I guess if I play a Super Bowl or something like that, but other than that, I I don't think I played in a better game than that. Uh, you know, I had all those guys on the team, Mike Hughes, um, that 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 kick return. I was on I was on kick return when he when he made that touchdown, so I get to say I'm a part of that play. Um, <laughs> I got to play in in the conference championship, my first one ever. Uh, when Gabe Gabe had went down for a little bit, I think it was like in the, towards the end of the game, and I got to play a lot at the end. So that was pretty cool playing in that game. And the Peace Bowl it was just it was different, you know, getting to play against the SEC team and proving the role of the whole world wrong. It was pretty fun. So you're a freshman. It's your first year at college. You have a season like that. Do you think every year is going to be like that? <laughs> kind of spoiled? No, Lord. I really, like, even the first two years going undefeated, I was like, man, like, we definitely, I'm definitely going to another another conference championship at least, at least one more. But, you know, getting older, you know, it's not, it, it don't work that way. I mean, it's just sometimes it, everything works your way, sometimes it don't. So, I mean, it was it was pretty fun, though. I mean, I wish, wish I could have went to more, but. Boy, I, I want to more than a lot of people. <laughs> well, we know after that season, uh, Coach Frost leaves and, and Coach Heupel comes in. And uh, one of your former teammates, uh, Rashad Kazi, was just uh, in the news. He had given an article, uh, an interview to The Athletic. And when describing the transition uh, of Heupel uh, from Frost, he said that Heupel came in and, quote, let you guys let your nuts hang. Uh, how would you describe uh, the transition from Coach Frost to Coach Heupel? different um they had they got two different coaching styles um you know coach coach Hyper was more of a 
he's not like a laid back coach like Coach Frost. You know, Coach Frost is pretty laid back. Um, he lets you make your mistakes, but as long as you know, you give him good effort, you progressing. He was he was always there. Make sure you're doing your job, Coach. Coach Hyper was kind of showing me, Coach. Um, you got to show him that you can play. You got to earn his trust, basically. So it was it was kind of different. I mean, both great coaches, just just two different coaching styles. So, so was Kazi right that he let you guys let your nuts hang, or is is he wrong? Uh, yeah, I, I say I I think both coaches, honestly, to be honest, I I think both coaches let us do let us do that, honestly. How about it for you on the offense? I mean, obviously, uh, we know uh, uh, Heupel's system was was definitely a little bit faster. Uh, how did your role change? What did you have to do differently to adapt to the the Coach Heupel offense? Uh, man, I had to learn learn how to play slot. I had never played uh, played that position before. Uh, I came. I went to him a couple times, tried to get moved outside, but his offense needed a bigger body guy play play slot to, to block backers and stuff. So it was. Kind of transition, you know, and it was it was some route concepts that that I wasn't used to, you know. This offense very it's very different, but it was it was effective though. I feel, I feel like Marlon, do I have this right? I feel like that first year he tried to use you kind of like a, a hybrid running back spot a few times. You had a bunch of carries that that first twenty uh, that that twenty eighteen season. Do, do I remember that correctly? Was there a concerted effort to kind of get you the ball in the backfield, kind of in a running back esque role? I think it was just trying to get get playmakers the ball, you know. We had a lot of guys in here, so it was kind of hard. It's kind of hard to get get everybody touches. So, I mean, I guess that was a way of him, of him getting, me, getting me the ball. How frustrating was it for you guys in the 2018 season? We're coming off a perfect season. We're going undefeated again, and we're still not getting the respect from the pollsters and the media. Like, I know as fans, we're going crazy shouting for the playoffs. What's it like for you guys in the locker room? <laughs> Pretty, pretty, it was pretty tough. I mean, you can see everybody can can act like they don't pay attention to it, but you know, when you go undefeated two years in a row, you still don't get respect. So uh, it kind of, kind of takes you off a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? After a while, we just we just started like, well, whatever. We just got to do what we can do, and at the end of the day, if it don't work out, we know we did our best. Do you think that? If McKenzie doesn't get hurt there at the end, that they may put us in. Do you think that was a deciding factor, or is there just no way they're ever going to put us in? Well, you say it again. I'm sorry. If McKenzie doesn't get hurt at the end of the year, and we're, obviously we're still undefeated, you think then maybe they would have put us in? But because of him getting hurt, you think that had anything to do with it, uh, or they're just never putting UCF in? I don't think they have put a, <laughs> a group of group of five in. I mean, you know, Cincinnati went undefeated. And they didn't get a chance either. I mean, it's, I don't know. I feel like until they expand the playoffs, we won't really, a, a, a small school, a smaller school won't really get a chance. Do you guys talk about that in the offseason? Like, if you're coming into the season and basically you already know that you can't make the playoffs out, does that affect you coming into the year? Uh, Yeah. I mean, you know, we talk about it, but I mean, we always try. We always try, you know, to just do our best. You know, we, we say we take care of our business, take care of what's in front of us. Um, we can't control the uncontrollable. So, I mean, yeah, we'll, th- we'll talk about it. But I think everybody had a sense of what was going on and how how college, how college football playoffs work. So when McKenzie gets hurt in that game in Tampa, 
we're going into a championship game with a, a freshman and Daryl Mack who really only played one game in his career. What's the feeling in the locker room heading into that game? Mm. That game, I mean, I DJ is one of my good friends, so I mean, I had all the confidence in him. A lot of guys on the team had a lot of confidence in him. It was just, it was a big game for him. So I mean, everybody was like kind of uncertain, but I mean, I I had all the confidence in him. I knew I knew what he was about. I knew he was gonna help us win. Um, so and he played, he did show up. Definitely showed up. How about when we're down 17 in the first half? <laughs> we have no answer to stopping Memphis on the ground. Any doubts yeah. creep into your head? Yeah. Man, I honestly, I don't know. I think, I feel like, I feel like at that point, we, nobody panicked. That year, we didn't panic. Like, we had already been down 17 before against the same team, 16, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, we kept just saying, like, we've been here before. It wasn't, I don't think anybody was really panicking. Well, people forget if you if you go back to that game. Obviously, the last four game, the last two games of that 2018 season, the first two games of the 2019 season, you had a different quarterback every game. You went from McKenzie to Daryl Mack, and Brandon Wimbush started the first game, and then Dylan Gabriel came in uh, as a receiver. What's it like to try to get used to the you know almost a new quarterback every day? Was that a challenge for you, or, or is it? I mean, in your position, are you just kind of like, hey, if someone throw the ball to me, and I'll go grab it? Uh, a little bit of both. I mean, playing receiver, I mean, you got to catch the ball regardless of throwing to you, but. You do get a you do get like a certain connection with a quarterback. You know how he throws the ball. I mean, after a while, you know how he's gonna come up his hand majority of the time. So it was kind of it was kind of frustrating at first for for some of the guys because we was like, we need a quarterback. Who's the quarterback? Like we need to get with him. But I mean, all those guys they when they when they got the opportunity in the game they showed up. Yeah, so, so what? What do you do as a veteran receiver when when Dylan Gabriel gets gets named the QB? Uh, how are you helping him out? Are you talking to him? Are you kind of coaching him up on the sidelines? How do you, how do you as a veteran have to sort of adjust and help uh, bring the young guy along? Um, honestly, Dylan was a pretty mature guy, so and he was always on top of everything. He was in his playbook, so you know, we really the receivers really didn't say too much to him because we uh we we only worry about our position group. You know, they those guys do have to know way more than us. They gotta know what the O line's doing defense and while while doing their position. So we really don't I, I don't like to add stress to the quarterback. I might give them some encouraging words, but other than that, you know, we we really don't the receivers we really don't say anything. Well, whatever you did, it paid dividends early. So his his second start uh, against Stanford, uh, you uh, you and him connected for the first touchdown of the game. It was a twenty eight yarder. And going back to the highlights, you pretty much just box out uh, Paulson Adebo, who was supposed to be a first round pick, and just manhandled him for a touchdown. Uh, what do you remember about that first touchdown from uh, from the Stanford game? Uh, just seeing the ball in there. I, know, I mean, we had like that twenty nineteen. We had a lot of guys on the team. We had yeah, me, um, Trey. And Jacob Harris, a uh, whole bunch of guys. It was, so, like, my whole thing is <laughs> I might not get the ball again. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get targeted, but I might not get a touchdown because we have so many guys on our team. So, when the ball was in, I was just trying to make a play, honestly. I wasn't, I wasn't letting the opportunity slip away from me. 
Were you guys? I know. I know. Gabe had a monster game. How about? Were you more fired up? Obviously, going into that game, uh, Adibo was you know tabbed to be a first round pick, and you know supposed to be a big matchup, and you guys just wore him out the entire game. Was there more juice on your side, knowing you were going against somebody who everyone thought was quote unquote a first round pick? Uh, yeah, I feel like we we kind of like we took that as a challenge, I guess, just to see what we messed up. You know, especially when a guy's man considered a first round pick, you always want to give him your best. So. Because all the eyes going to be on him. You all do him, not eyes on you. So, I mean, it's just, it was just an opportunity. And we definitely got after him that game. Coming off that Stanford game, I thought for sure we were on our way to a third perfect regular season. Then we start running into some speed bumps. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Tulsa. We lose three games in 2019. You think teams were just kind of catching on to our offense and, and figuring out what we were doing, or is there something else going on? Mm. So, like, it was uh, kind of both. I mean, just we our offense, like, it was simple, but it worked. I, I mean, but it was simple, but it worked. You know, um, some guys, I guess some teams, like some teams we played, the teams we lost to, some of the teams, they, you know, they, they would know the plays we were running. I mean, they would call plays. But other than I mean, it's football. That happens. You study play, you study enough film, you know what teams will run. So that's it in the offense, really. Like, I, I, I just feel like maybe um, probably a lot of guys were being probably kind of got complacent, I guess. A lot of guys got complacent. Uh, I can say that. But other than that, we when we did lose – we would definitely make it be known, let it be known that we, we didn't want to lose anymore. One that we weren't working hard. I just feel like we let we let games get away from us because the games we did lose, it was by one, two points. It wasn't by a lot. All right. All right. Hypo's gone now. You guys are all done. Maybe we can get into some of these things here. How do you guys get the plays off so fast? Can you reveal that to us? Uh, no. We practice really fast, so uh, we practice super fast. I mean, but he's not called signals. I mean, I get I don't know a lot of a lot of stuff is I guess scripted, not scripted, but you know we have a call sheet and we know like if we getting such and such down the distance, we probably gonna run this. We're gonna probably gonna run this. We're just getting getting lined up fast, looking to the sideline and calling the play like. A lot of our plays were one signal, so like we didn't have to we didn't have to wait for all bunch of signals. The O line was looking at a certain person, and we're looking at a certain for and the receivers are looking at a certain signal. Just we, as soon as we see it, we get lined up and get a snap. It's just the way we practice, honestly. Moving Is it back. a lot of times you guys are running basically the same play, except maybe you're switching it? So if you're on the right side, you're going deep, and on the next play. Nixon's on the left side. He's going deep. And is it just that simple? You guys are just switching uh, back and forth? No, it's to a certain extent. Not that simple. You know, we got the uh, – we have options. So, I mean, it wasn't that simple. It was, it was just – I don't know. We just lose so familiar with the offense. We can run it. Like, once you get familiar with the offense, it's not it's not hard. We know we know what's probably going to come. We know we're probably going to get called. So, just get lined up. I think it just comes with just comes with uh, practice, a lot of practice. Now, Dylan fakes the handoff on every play. 
some of those players, there's no chance he's actually handing it off, right? He's just doing that for show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just wanted to clear some things up because I, I don't know how you guys get the players off so fast, other than you already know what you're running before you start the drive. That's the only thing that made sense to me. Yeah. Nah, we just, I don't know, we just practice, man. If you can watch one I practice, you'll see why we run fast. We'll see. Non-stop, so there's a lot of memorization being, being, being familiar in the offense, honestly. Well, Mark, you were a beast to, to end that season. The Gasparilla Bowl, Gabe sat out um, to prepare for the draft, uh, and you had you went off. So you were so good in that game, Marlon. That the back of your jersey like fell off at the end of the game. It was just dot will on the back of your jersey because all the letters had fallen off because you were just a beast that game. Did, do you think looking back, did did you use that game to kind of help you carry momentum into the 2020 season? Did you feel like that was your chance to to kind of show up and show out and say this is this is kind of what you know what what I'm going to do for the team next year? Uh, yeah, I mean. I kind of felt like that 2019 season, like I had, like, well, 2018, I sat behind Snelson. So 2019 season, I really felt like that was my, that was supposed to be my year. You know, the first couple, the first five games was kind of slow for me. Um, and then it picked up and I don't know, like, it picked up and that was, that was my time. I mean, I wasn't going to look back. It was the time I waited for. So especially when Gabe left, kind of, it was kind of like, oh yeah, it's time to take over. Time to, time to be the number one receiver, and I mean that game game really sparked it off for me. Look, I'm not just saying this because you're on the phone with us, but you have you have uh, for a long time been my favorite receiver at UCF, and here's why. So a lot of guys catch the ball, and they, they they catch the ball, they turn around, and they start running away from the defenders or trying to juke a defender or trying to get out of bounds. You caught the ball, turned around, and you were, like, looking for someone to hit. Like, you were hoping someone would come near you so you could run somebody over. Where does, where does that mentality come from? Where does that come from where you just want to – I mean, you're almost looking for, for defenders to hit versus kind of uh, running away from defenders. Where does that mentality come from for you? Uh, started when I was four. I mean, I've been playing contact football since I was four years old. I had a coach at us doing Oklahoma and stuff. When I was like four years old, and I always liked contact. So, I mean, just, just this is something I, I learned when I was a kid. We played, we played on the team where our defense was always good. We gave up like six points a game. I was a defense guy when I was younger, so I really like, I really like contact. Just to establish, establish it on there. Kind of intimidate people sometimes, you know. It also, to me, a lot of times, you were very physical at the, at the point of the catch. Uh, and almost sometimes almost, you know, looked like you were going back to your basketball days. You were like boxing dudes out and uh, and holding guys back to, to catch the ball. Did you, did you use some of your, your basketball skill to, to kind of help you sometimes and, you know, make catches in contact and get your body in the right position? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, I always, I always think it's best for – Athletes who play more than sports in college. I mean, in high school, and I, basketball definitely helped you out. It's uh, teach you how to high point the ball. It's just like getting the rebound, you know. High point the ball, getting rebounds, crossing people over, getting off the line, the scrimmage. It's like it, it's all hand in hand. And a lot of people don't think about it, but I don't know. I think basketball helped me a lot with my with football. Do you have a, a favorite play of a, of a time where you knocked a guy over? Uh, where you just where you truck some dudes? Do you, do you do you have a favorite one from your time at UCF? Uh, I'm trying. Uh, it got to be Cincinnati, my freshman year. I think that's my favorite play still. 
own. I got like the little jet sweep around. I got bounce off like five people. I think that's my my still my favorite play of my career. Um, what else? Well, I got I got two. You tell me if either of these rank up high. I got two other plays that that you had this past season that that I loved. So you had the the catch against Tulane on the sideline where you would literally okie doke two dudes right out of bounds and ran for a touchdown. And then probably the most iconic play, I think the play where Night Nation, you know, if they weren't in love with you already, they, they fell even more in love with you, was the two-point conversion against Cincinnati where, you know, you, you caught the ball for deflection and, like, there were, I don't know, like, it felt like there were, like, 30 people on that pile. And somehow you, uh, you, you bulge your right to, to the end zone for the two-point conversion. Do either one of those two plays rank high for you in, uh, in your UCF yeah, career? I don't know how, yeah, Cincinnati definitely. I don't know how I forgot about that one. Nah, that was definitely. I wanted that game. I wanted to win that game bad, so it wasn't nobody gonna stop me from getting to that end zone. But yeah, that's definitely that's definitely top top five moment. And that, and that player, are you like so in the zone that do you not even like feel people on you, or are you just like is, is it almost like you're you're just so determined that you don't even recognize and feel people? You were just going right for the end zone. Um, I don't. I don't really. I don't know. I don't really feel hits like. I don't know. I'm so used to getting hit. Uh, it don't bother me. Like I don't know. I, I love contact. So if you're not hitting me, if you're not coming as hard as me, I'm not gonna feel it. And if you do, I'm, I'm just gonna get back up. <laughs> you had one of the best rece- uh, single season years as a receiver in UCF history this past year. Ten touchdowns, over a thousand yards in only ten games. Were you aware of the numbers you were putting up week to week? Or, yeah, eight games. Hey, yeah, right. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, yeah, I always, I, I'm, I'm upset I couldn't play the last two games because I was definitely gonna break game record. He's gonna hold it on my head. He gonna hold it on my head, and I didn't get there. Right. I definitely, I definitely was thinking about that all year. I mean, I, I knew how good I was, and I finally got the opportunity. So, I mean, I was trying to break records. I mean, I still. Still finished top ten in some categories, but it would have been better if I if I could have got that record. <laughs> All right, you mentioned Gabe. Obviously, you played with a bunch of really good receivers in your time. If you can build like the perfect receiver using only your teammates and not yourself, how would you put it together? Like, give me somebody's hand, somebody's speed, somebody's uh, not, not running. Yeah, not including yourself because we know what you're the best in everything, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Traquan definitely. But what? What about Traquan? His hands, his speed. I don't know. He had it all. I've never seen like in the game. It was like watching video play. Like just that. That my freshman year. It was like he was always open. It don't matter where the ball was. He's gonna catch it. Mm, his hand. I say it got to be his hands. Traquan's hands. His deep threat. His deep. His deep threat ability. Um. Gabe, um, just his toughness, how tough he is. Uh, his hands, so he got some good hands too. Um, Trey Nixon's speed and Jay Flash's, uh, I don't know, savviness. I guess he really. I think he's gonna be a real good receiver. Well, he is a real good receiver, but next year I think he's gonna really take over. So I, I combination of all of them. And so Snelson, you said Snelson's swag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do miss Snelson there. Um, you uh, you said Trey Nixon's speed. 
We've had him and Jacob Harris on the last few weeks. They have a, a bet going who's going to run the fastest 40. You're telling Ooh. me you, you're taking Nixon in that race? No, nah, I'm taking I'm taking Jay Harris, but I, don't know, I think <laughs> I give it to Jay Harris because he's so he's six six. So I mean, yeah, he he gonna have a faster time. But Trey, I I feel like Trey runs smoother. Well, it's not fair, right? Because Trey, I mean, uh, Harris has to take less steps. I would guess. Yeah, he six six. I mean, so he better he better be fast. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to run 42 yards, I think, to make it easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mar- Marlon, were you surprised when you heard that Coach Hypo was leaving? Uh, not really. Not really. I mean, a lot of coaches can say they don't, they don't, they they they're gonna stay, but you know, when the money calls, they're gonna leave. So I mean. His loss, I feel like. Uh, I mean, I wish him the best, but I know what's what's down there at UCF. You know, I know the players there, and how much and how hard working they are, and how good they can be. So I mean, again, I wish him the best of luck, but now I wasn't surprised. And I mean, Frost left, so nothing surprises me. Well, you got a lot of people excited uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, Gus Malzahn, obviously named head coach, he put a staff together, and you tweeted out something to the effect of, "Man, I might want to come back." And then you had to, you had to, you had to tweet out like a minute later, "Just kidding, guys, I'm not really coming back." But uh, what do you think about the staff uh, that that Gus has, has put together? And what do you think about Gus Malzahn coming to UCF as the head coach? Um, I think the staff that he's put together is great. I'm glad he brought Coach Wyatt back. Um, Coach Wyatt is a real, real important piece to that to that staff last year. I mean. I think he, he had me, Trey, Gabe, and, and Flash, and we all put up numbers. I mean, he's a great owner off the field, so I'm glad he got he 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 kept Coach Y, you know, Coach uh, T. Will from Auburn. I got some some guys. Well, I'm being from Alabama. I got some guys that play at Auburn, and they always talk good about him. You know, you know, on Twitter, you see his, his rapping videos and all that all the time. So <laughs> I know, know he's a good coach. Um, Got got some good coaches on offense too, and Coach Malzahn, of course, he, I mean, he won that championship. So I mean, I, I think it's a great opportunity for both for Coach Malzahn and for our team to be able to work together. Because with him, I know he's gonna we'll be able to play. You know, maybe schedule bigger teams. Maybe we go undefeated. They might put us in there. You know, we have to win sixty by sixty points for them to consider us. But I mean. <laughs> It's a great, it's a great thing. I feel like it's a, it's a great situation. Yeah, a lot of people were surprised when when Coach Wyatt initially left. Um, and, and obviously, to your point, when he when he was announced coming back, all the receivers, Amari Johnson, and uh, a bunch of guys were on Twitter talking about how glad they were he was coming back. Uh, obviously, we don't get to talk to him in, in the media very much. We don't hear much from him. Um, you kind of mentioned a little bit how surprised were you that he was leaving initially, and what kind of coach is he? What does he what does he kind of bring to the group that uh, that he's so beloved by by you guys? I mean. I don't know. Uh, you never know what what went on. Um, never know what went on. So I don't know. We, I mean, we weren't. So, I, I wasn't. We wasn't too mad about him leaving because we know that he he his what his intentions are were. I mean, his intentions are with us. We know that he, if we call him at any time, regardless if he's our coach or not, he'll he'll be quick to help us. So I mean, it was it wasn't no no tension between the receivers we left. We was. It was all. I mean, we, we didn't know what was going on, but we supported him because he's a guy that always fights for us. He fight, he's always always fighting for the receivers, no matter what, wrong or right. You know, 
So, I mean, he's a great coach. He gonna, like I say, he's going to fight for his players. He's going to stick up for his players. Going to make sure you're all right. Make sure you're on and off the field. Going to call you. He still call me, like, every other day. Like, we talk we talk at least once a week. So, I mean, he's that type of guy. He's still, he, he like, the uh, Coach Sampson. He knew Coach Sampson from recruiting. He recruited Coach Sampson when he was a college coach somewhere. He didn't even sign him, and you know he he got he, he was a coach. He became he became a coach on our staff, and he act like he knew him forever. So I mean, he's just just a great guy. I'm glad he came back. Uh, you're obviously. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I said, especially for the young guys, I'm glad that they got they they get to get to be get coached by him. You're getting ready for the draft now. Where are you training at, and what's the thing you're trying to improve most in your game? Mm. I'm training in Tampa right now. And what you mean by like improve? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm not. I ain't mean that. Like, nah, like, uh, like what, I'm, what I'm training on, like working on right now for like the uh, pro day. Yeah, if you could, if you could pick one part of your game that you want to elevate more, what would it be? Uh, I say. My top end, top, uh, top end speed. Other than that, I mean, of course, it's always, always room for improvement everywhere. But I think that's what I need to focus on the most. I think you've made big strides in your speed over the last couple of years, especially this last past year. Is there something you've been doing different training wise, or is it just kind of adjusting your body? Have you changed your diet or anything like that? No, just I think. It's, Plays more into my diet and changed my body. You know, when I first got there, I was kind of heavy. I was like 220-something. So, I mean, now I'm 210, working down to get to 205. So, it was just working on my body composition, honestly. And I was always powerful and stuff. It was just just working on, on body weight, working on mechanic, running mechanics. I, never, I, I didn't run track in high school. So, you know, just learning how to run, really. Um. You obviously, with you, Trey Nixon, Jacob Harris, we got a chance to put a few guys in the NFL now at, from wide receiver. And we know the history we've had at wide receiver in the last few years. You consider UCF to be wide receiver you? Is that our best position? Yeah, of course the receiver is the best position. <laughs> <laughs> Who else would I say? Play receiver. <laughs> we have a lot of DBs in the NFL. I think going back on it, we counted. I think we've actually had more defensive backs in the NFL than receivers so far. Yeah, I mean, that was back then. How about now? <laughs> well, we, we, we're putting we, some we guys in this Akers. year too, right? We can count Akers as a receiver. Yeah. I mean, this we're year is not too shabby. We're putting Richie Grant and Aaron Robinson, those guys, Tay Gowan, those guys had a shot to get in there this year too. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, uh, <laughs> nah. I think the receiver's the better group. Yeah, he's not. He's not budging on that one, Mike. Um, nah. <laughs> yeah, you're stuck there. I don't, I don't, play, I don't play DB. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we uh, we end every interview around here with some fun questions, kind of some rapid fire. It could be music, movies, sports, uh, anything about uh, about your teammates, all that good stuff. So, uh, here's my first one for you: um, pancakes, waffles, or French toast? You can only pick one. Pancakes. Now, what kind of are we going? Regular old pancakes? Are we doing like chocolate chip? Are we doing the ones with IHOP with the like the, the whipped cream face? What kind of pancakes are we going with? Nah, doing regular. My grandma make them with my mama. <laughs> doing homemade on, on, on 
like pancakes or nowhere else. All right, you mentioned T Will coming in. He's a rapper. Who <laughs> right now is the best rapper on the team? On the team, uh, I say Amari Rogers. <laughs> Yeah, Mario Rogers. Uh, it's a couple of guys on the team that can that can rap honestly. You know, well they well some of them not on the team no more. But we used to have the freestyles in the locker room. There's a lot of guys on there. Well, they think they can rap. Well, I was gonna say. So, so so Tay Gowan has his own album out. Uh, one to five, five being the best, one being the worst. How would you rate Tay Gowan? Tay Gowan's album. He up there. He's still, he he he's pretty. He, he do he do he do his job. Man. I don't know, but I, I don't know. I don't really. I listen to the same rapper, so I don't. I don't really know. That sounds like a, pretty good. Man. Sounds like a three to me. All right. Um. So Mike mentioned. <laughs> Mike mentioned we had uh, we had Trey and Jacob on. They were talking about their little little forty yard dash battle. So when we had Greg McRae on, and we asked Greg who to pick, and he said he was faster than both of them. So uh, true or false? Are you ready to call BS on Greg McRae? Is he faster than both Trey and Jacob? I don't know, not great fast. I don't know. We got a lot of fast guys on the team. I don't, I don't get into that conversation. They all weigh, if they weigh one eighty, I mean one ninety and lower, lower, I don't get in that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it, and if, if I'm the president of the Marlon Williams fan club, the vice president is a good, a good friend of our show. His name is J.P. Gilbert. He had a tweet earlier today that I'm going to ask on his behalf, and he didn't know you were coming on the show. So his tweet was simply, I spend way too much time up at night wondering what Marlon Williams is going to run in the 40. So can you, can you give uh, J.P. a little bit of a hint where you think your 40 time might end up? You got to see. You know, just know a lot of people are going to be surprised. They'll be faster than what they think. We're going to see. We're going to see April 1st on Pro Day. All right, so JP can get some sleep. Then. He doesn't have to worry about it. He can get some sleep before he's going to be good. Oh, yeah, yeah. He can get some sleep. All right, JP, go to sleep. <laughs> All right, you're good. All right, one of your teammates, Parker Boudreaux, is becoming a pro wrestler now. <laughs> what would be your wrestling name if you were becoming a wrestler? Oh, no. Oh, man. I don't know. It won't be the destroyer guys. It definitely won't be that. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm a big WWE. I used to be a big WWE fan, but I don't, I don't know. Right, what would be, be your finishing move then? Got to be the RKO. <laughs> I have to take that for Randy Orton. Definitely. <laughs> All right. So. Definitely. Um, so you can't say Jalen Robinson to this to this question, okay? Give us the name of a receiver or two that you think is going to have a big year for UCF. Obviously, we're losing a lot of depth with with all you guys going to the league. Give us the name of a receiver or two that you think we should watch out for. That's going to, you think is going to have a big year next year? Ryan O'Keefe and Amari Rogers. I think I think those two right there. Um, couple other guys, you know. I think all the I think all the other guys. If they present it with the opportunity, they'll show up. So it just depends on whoever gets the opportunity. I, I got all the faith on all those guys. Let me ask you about one guy who he's been injured. He, he was a he was a, a big recruit, but he's been injured a bunch. hasn't seen the field. Uh, what about Gerard Baker? How how good is he? And, and, oh, and how yeah, do you think he's going to yeah. be? Yeah, he y'all y'all gonna see. He's definitely he definitely built for it. He's about he just he get once he gets healthy. He gonna be he gonna be something to, to wreck. He, he's a he's a dog for sure. Is he the next Marlon Williams? No, uh, I don't know about that. He's good though. <laughs> <laughs> nah, my boy is real nice. 
right. What's uh, the last time you cried watching TV or a movie? Uh, hey, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, get choked up at some scenes from TV shows. Nothing comes to mind. You have nah. to get caught at some point. At some time. Nah, I'm telling you, I, <laughs> I know it's all scripted, so why would I get? Why would I get? emotional over something that was written. Hold on, Marl. Hold on. You're telling me in Remember the Titans when 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 dude gets hurt and then the other dude gets the sack at the end. You're telling me you, not, not a little tear comes? Nah, not even. I remember watching that movie since I was like five, so <laughs> it don't make me, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a, a big emotional guy All right, well, when it he, comes to movies. Here's my new favorite question to ask you guys. I asked uh, to everybody else, so I'll ask you too. Do you have a favorite hypalism, right? So we, we heard them all, right? Go one and oh, uh, compete in all three phases of the game, uh, snap to whistle, get out in the grass, uh, you know, love your brothers, plus one on the scoreboard. Do you have a favorite hypalism, one that you just loved more than the other ones? Oh, we got to win all three phases of the game. That was it? Okay, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Offense and defense. <laughs> <laughs> the other team is multiple, right? They run, every team we play is multiple on defense. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, he had a, he had a, he had a, a few that we used to laugh at all the time. But nah. <laughs> I think one of those up there too, though. <laughs> did, did that get was did that get annoying after a while? Were you just kind of like, yeah, coach, we're gonna go one or did you guys really kind of yeah, buy I mean, into that? A little bit of both. I mean. It was kind of redundant, but it, we, we, we got the message. We got the message, definitely. I know you guys are, they, you guys clown on him a little bit at, uh, on your own time. Who does the best hypo impression? You know, you <laughs> oh, man. That's a bunch of guys. I want to tell you that. <laughs> but uh, I'll say Jay Rich. Jay Rich is the best. Probably Dylan or uh, McKenzie. They got it down pat. <laughs> they got it down pat. <laughs> You've got all the mannerisms and everything. The hand. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Everybody got. To, I think everybody took turns, honestly. <laughs> well, listen, Mar, we are so excited to see what happens next for you, man. Obviously, like I said, I'm, I've been a big fan of yours the entire time at UCF. Just what you did on the field, off the field, the way you carried yourself. Uh, so we can't wait to see what's next for you, man. I know you got Pro Day coming up soon, and I know all of Night Nation will be watching to see kind of what your next step is. And wherever you go, you're going to have a legion of people following you um, and, and rooting for you and supporting you, man. So uh, we wish you the best of luck, man. Good health. And uh, we'll definitely uh, hopefully stay in touch with you down the road, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me on. I'm Jeff Allen. Join me each week for unique yet common sense opinions on sports on the Jeff Allen Sports Talk Podcast. We will break down the sports world minus the hot takes with prominent guests and my stable of sports guys. It's sports conversation the way it should be. Search Jeff Allen Sports Talk wherever you get your podcasts or go to JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. All right, you hear the moves. That means Cow of the Week is forthcoming, Mike. But uh, Marlon Williams, 
Again, uh, I've, I said nine times so far in the in the interview. If you've been drinking every time I said this, you were probably hammered by now. Marlon Williams, one of my favorite nights of all time, Mike. Good to catch up with him. Uh, he gave some funny answers, some good answers. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, he's he's prepared. He's, he's thinking ahead. But I thought he had some interesting commentary, um, particularly when it came to um, his, his not being surprised of Hypo leaving. He seemed like he... You know, didn't uh, didn't didn't take that one too shockingly to to learn uh, Josh was moving on. I think these guys have been desensitized for all that after after Frost left. Uh, they saw him as one of his best friends, one of their best friends. If he could leave, I think they think anybody can leave. They know it's a business. Coaches come and go all the time, and if somebody's going to give you a lot more money. Then they understand it too. They understand that these guys, even when they're being recruited that they may not be there their full term. Well, I thought it was interesting, too, when, when uh, the question was asked about the difference between uh, Frost and Heupel. He essentially said Frost allowed you to play, you know, allowed you to make your mistakes and, you know, taught you what to do differently and how to how to learn from it, where, where Heupel basically you, you had to earn uh, you had to earn the right to play. Um, and, and, and it seemed like he was a little bit more um, more stringent or maybe less forgiving of mistakes, which I thought was kind of an interesting way. Now, Marlon phrased it a little differently, but that's at least how I interpreted that was that, you know, Hypel didn't have any patience for mistakes. And and we saw that a few times, like we would see guys get in the doghouse or not not get snaps and we would go, what the hell's going on here? I, I think, you know, Johnny Richardson comes to mind. He fumbled against Tulsa. I don't think we saw him since. I think he's in the witness protection program. Um, and so, you know, maybe that's a little bit of, of Hypel's coaching personality, which um, you know, perhaps in terms of the way Marlon thought about it was different than what he uh, was used to under Frost. Well, it's not like Hypo had a more disciplined team because we saw the problems we had with penalties this last year. So maybe he did get angry with guys, but it's not like it made a difference. We were still putting up 20 penalties a game, especially early in this season with the false starts and all that stuff that was driving us nuts. But um, good talk with Marlon. Like I said earlier, probably... I mean, an eight-game span, probably one of the best eight games put together as a wide receiver we've ever seen. Great kid, and hoping the best for him. Another guy I'd like to see on the Giants. If the Giants could get one of these receivers from us, I'd be happy. Can we get one? The Giants never get anybody. The Giants, I think, the only guy that ever come through here um, was Darcy Darcy. Johnson and Michael Greco, too, I think, ended up on the Giants for a little while, too. But I I want a guy that's going to have a nice 10-year career. Like maybe I go get the jersey. My uh, my two favorite parts of the interview was when you told him that he had that stats uh, those stats in ten games, and he was quick to tell you it was eight. Uh, and then you asked him what he had to work on for the draft, and he was like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> uh, so my my two favorite parts of that conversation was Marlon Williams was in no mood for your scouting report, Mike. <laughs> He's a very confident kid, and he should be. Yeah, He's got a lot of ability, and good. He doesn't need to take crap from me. I thought I was giving him crap. Yeah, you know, he's confident in what he can do, and I hope he goes out there and proves it to everybody and gets a high draft grade and, and makes some money. All right, well, let's talk about people who shouldn't be confident because they are cows of the week, Mike. Uh, and uh, um, I, I know where you're going. Uh, I mean, I kind of feel like you know, he asked for it um, numerous times, and I think you were trying to be generous, but he just, you know, he just kept putting uh, new things uh uh, in your uh, in your sphere, and uh, you have no choices, I guess, Mike. Um, take it away. <sighs> One of our very good friends, and now fellow son of ours. You see him every weekend on Thursday nights with us on the live show. Trace Trelko 
master of the walk and talk himself. I love him. But, you know, everybody's been a cow at some point. I've been a cow before. You've been a cow before. Yep. It's time for him. If he's going to be a son, it's time for him to feel the wrath of being a cow. And here he is. This is his turn this week. Trey Stroko, cow of the week for a few things. Now, number one, we're participating in this 5K race coming up. And I'm telling everybody to start training, get ready for this thing. Sons of UCF group, we're going to dominate this thing. We're going up against all the other alumni associations. And this guy is talking about walking and slowing down our time. And then I see he's sleeping on hammocks on Twitter. He, he's doing everything but training for this race, which I know that that's not the way the Sons of UCF way. We're in this thing to win it. <laughs> and Trace, I don't know what he's doing. Is he a mole? I think actually I got off the phone this morning with the people in Denver, the Denver <laughs> Alumni Association. And I'm working on a trade. I'm working on a trade for Trace, sending him to the Denver Alumni Association group for maybe a couple of edible marijuana cookies, something. The things are still in the work, and uh, maybe a runner to be named later. But he's on, he's on the hot seat. Trace mm. is on the hot seat. I'm going to say it right now. Um, another little thing, which uh, <laughs> was a little amusing earlier last week during the press when I was on, the Gus when I was on press conference. He didn't use my question. I told him to ask Gus about tank tops, his view on tank tops. And the question he did ask, Gus never answered. So I think if he would have hit him with a wardrobe question, May have gotten a better answer out of it for everybody. And the, the question he asked was about a recruit. Gus was scared to answer because he thinks he's going to put us on probation by answering a question like that. So overall, a tough week for Trace. I love him. And let's see if he can rebound this week. Maybe by Thursday he'll, he'll make up for some of his mistakes earlier this week. But for right now, he's the cow of the week. Yeah, I mean, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't see it coming. I mean, uh, as soon as I saw his tweet about uh, he was out walking, uh, I, I just knew uh, the wrath of Mike the trainer was going to uh, to be uh, unleashed upon him. I know you are very serious about your race. Did you get some more miles in this weekend? I did. I did. I actually set personal records this weekend. Multiple there. records? Oh, hold on. So more than one record? Well, yes. I, I ran Saturday, and I beat my time from two weeks ago and then i ran again on sunday and i crushed my saturday time wow. what do you think about that improving how, day by day how, how about that wow okay let's see i'm looking at my uh i'm looking at my app right now 3.14 miles on sunday average pace seven minutes 45 seconds not too bad huh? so that's what 20 i'm coming after you 22. you told me you ran 22 minutes 22, 20, I mean, listen, that was like 10 years ago, by the way. Yeah, we'll see. 24 minutes and 22 seconds. Okay, that's that's impressive. So. That's a good that's a good time. That's a really good time. I'm going to have to get my knees uh, like that. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good time. Okay, so Trace, you're right. Trace is certainly, you know, he's got his work cut out for him. Uh, I, I'm going to need, can I get a scattering report of the Denver runners? I don't need it now, but if you could just send it over to me via email, I think we should at least look through and see what our options are. You know, Trace v, uh, frequents Denver often. He's got, he's got family out there, so. You know, he, exactly. He'll fit right in. Yeah, it may it may work out in his favor to to join that group. But if any of you want to join the group, Mike probably won't make fun of you. Uh, find us on the uh, uh, on the virtual uh, race the night five k. When you get to the group section, search for Sons of UCF, and uh, yeah, sign up. We'll we'll see. We got hats if you win. We'll do some fun stuff. Uh, and Mike probably won't make fun of you. 
But I said probably. Um, my oh. cow of the week, Mike, is I don't really know who to give this award to. But I guess this is this is less cow of the week. This is more like get off my lawn back in my day stuff. But I was watching the baseball game this weekend, and 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 I noticed a couple of things. I hadn't watched a ton of baseball in a while, so actually, what really happened was my son came out and looked at the TV and was like, "You see if there's a baseball team?" And I said, "Yeah, buddy, we sure do." And he was like, "Oh!" And he turned to my wife and he says, "Mom, Dad never watches baseball." And Mom says, and my wife says. Aiden, Dad would watch the, the the paint dry on the wall if UCF painted it, which I think is a fair uh, fair statement. Um, so I hadn't watched baseball in a long time, and I noticed a few things I, I'd never seen before. One, the 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 batters all seem to have like quarterback wrist bracelet, like wrist play sheets attached to their belts that they were referring to uh, throughout the at bat. I don't know if they're getting play calls in, Mike. I don't know if they were looking at signs. What What are those little play cards that they have now that are attached to their belts uh, when they're looking at in between uh, in between uh, pitches in the at bat? I got to think it's some kind of scouting reports on the pitcher. What, what kind of pitches this guy likes to throw in certain counts? That would be my first guess. Okay. I, I don't know what it so, is. Uh, yeah, I, I thought I was. I'm leaning on you, baseball expert, to tell me why we have play sheets uh, on our belts for baseball. You got guys remember like Joe Girardi when he was managing the Yankees. He used to have his binder, and he used to always go check the binder every time to see who he's going to bring in to pitch and this and that, and all kinds of patterns. This guy throws this on two one counts, and this guy throws this on full counts and all. So maybe it's something like that. I wonder if there. I don't know if it, that would be it. They'd have to change the place cards every time a new pitcher came in. Yeah. So I have to. We have to get in touch with somebody on the. Uh, on the staff there. Maybe love lady has an answer. Maybe it's just, um, something to remind. Maybe each guy has something to remind themselves of and they want to look at it. I've seen guys write stuff on the inside of their hats before. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, keep your head down, keep this, keep your shoulder in, whatever it is for a guy. Maybe there's little reminders for themselves. But uh, maybe there's something else to it. Maybe maybe we got a buzzer situation like the Houston Astros. I'm not accusing. I'm just asking. Are we, yeah. <laughs> are we buzzing each other? Uh, making sure the buzzer is working. Who knows? But uh, th- those are just my guesses. Okay. Second, uh, why are base runners now sliding with an oven mitt on? Uh, I guess so they won't jam their fingers going into the bases. Is that a new? It's, it's a new simple. apparatus, I assume. Yeah, I've seen it before. I've seen it. Uh, I want to say Brett Gardner wore one. Okay. I've seen that before. Yeah. You don't want to jam your finger. You don't want to get stepped on either. You don't want to get cleated. When you're signing into one of these bases, I can't feel good. Yeah, what's the what's it made of though? That's what I was, uh, you know, if it, is it is it some sort of a Kevlar situation? Like, how is it like? What's it made of that's going to protect that for you? Uh, that I wouldn't know. I've never actually worn one. Uh, I was never a slider myself, and when I did slide, I never slid head first. I was always feet first guy, so uh, I couldn't tell you that one. And it's only on one hand. I assume that's the that's the reach hand. I assume is what we're doing there. Yeah, which doesn't really make sense because I mean sometimes you have to adjust on the fly you see you guys sliding in one way and then you pick up your hand and you, you sneak your other hand in there so i mean i guess they go with a certain hand 90 percent of the time but you figured you, you you're gonna wear them wear them on both hands and there's no need to you, you don't need your fingers you're not picking up the ball and throwing it while you're running the bases so. <laughs> you're, no you're not I don't, <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to actually i think that's against the rules no so maybe you'll start seeing guys wearing two of those that's gotta feel weird though 
Yeah, I mean, that's I, it looked weird. I was like, why is this guy have an oven mitt on second base? What's, what are we doing here? And I recognized it was probably for sliding purposes. But then I was like, well, how do you know which hand you're going to, you know, you're going you're gonna to dive back with, right? If you're a certain base, are you, are, you know, always diving with that hand? If, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I guess maybe it's always the outside hand. Who knows? But so I don't know if I'm cow of the week. I don't know if baseball is cow of the week. I just feel like a lot of new things were going on that I hadn't seen in a long time. And I, I just I was kind of like get off my lawn. What's all this new stuff? Also, UCF's jerseys on the uh, the first day. I think we were camouflage. Uh, it was like a camouflage Knights jersey. I don't know. Uh, do we have camo equipment now? I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't tracking to that. Um, I think you know, baseball has kind of even before football started going with all these different uniforms. They've kind of been the pioneers of different kinds of uniforms. I think they've had camouflage for a while, but uh, I'm not really that much of a fan of those i like the script letters on the front those look nice um the gold helmets actually were not bad but we lost a couple games wearing those trace wanted to get rid of them after the first two games of the season um i I don't know camouflage it's like uh the space thing you bring it busted out once or twice a year and that's it yeah I, i could do without them all right, well, that's my cow of the week then. I, maybe it's baseball. I'm not really sure. Maybe it's me. I don't really know. But I'm, I'm glad you were here. Um, you were here to help me. If anybody has any answers to the play cards and what's on the belt there, I assume to Mike's point, it's probably some sort of a scouting report. Because uh, I saw one guy step out of the box and look down and looked at his card, and then he went back and I want to say it was 02, maybe 1 2. So I don't know if he was looking to see tendencies, uh, heat zones. I'm not sure to your point. You have to keep that moving, though, to make sure it's accurate. So uh, if anybody out there knows what's on those play sheets, uh, let me know. Just curious. You know, just want to. Want to learn more about baseball? I don't want to be I don't be cow of the week anymore. So uh, that uh, that will be helpful information. Again, you can find us on all our social media platforms at Sons of UCF. You can find Mike uh, at uh, at UCF Mike One. If you want to uh, hit him up from the Denver uh, Alumni Association on the trade, you can probably slide into his DMs. He can uh, he can help you out there, Mike. And uh, uh, who knows what's coming up next, Mike? In successive weeks now, we've had. We've brought you Trey Nixon. We brought you Jacob Harris. We brought you Greg McRae. Now we got you Marlon Williams. Uh, you know we, we've uh, we've certainly done uh, all our parts to to try to get you every every one of the nights that we can find out there. Um, and uh, you know we'll see who else we can get, Mike. There's uh, a lot more people out there, but we're hopefully you're enjoying uh, hearing from some of your uh, most recent nights. It's been cool to catch up with a lot of those guys. Should we just say it now, Richie Grant, next week? We announce it before we can even get in touch with the guy. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, you you see, I haven't tried. I mean, I will I will I wrote his name down right here. Uh, Christopher Deloach. I forgot about him too. We had Deloach on um, a few weeks ago as well. So this exclusive. Some people talk about exclusive stuff, Mike. This is actually exclusive because I feel like some of these guys you're not hearing full on interviews from anywhere else. Um, and in fact, some of them have told us that they're not going to do other interviews. So we may be the only place you can hear these guys. So uh, luckily, we're here for you. And that's what we do. Right. Uh, some other shows have had guys on here and there, but we've been the steadiest, I think, doing the interviews for a long time now. A couple of years we've gone back. I, I, how many interviews have we done total? It's got to be like, I don't know, in the 80s, Good close Lord. to it. Good Lord with the questions. <laughs> um, well, again, <laughs> over you, 50. For yeah. Sure. Well, most people can't hear all of them. Um yeah, I mean, I've got it in front of me. I can't count this fast, though. We've got – because we took – obviously, these are the football shows. Usually during the season, we don't do guests because it's football talk. So we had guests basically show 21 through show 44 and then show 62 through, boy, like 93, 94. Uh, and then we've kind of picked it up again. So you're looking at uh, whatever those numbers add up to. 
all kinds of guests too, former players in baseball, football, ba- uh, basketball. We've had coaches, Coach O'Leary on a couple of times, Kruzek. We've had athletic directors. We've had the former president of this university. We've had Maury Povich on the show. None of those you can hear, but you know, we should start releasing some of these <laughs> we old should. Ones, We right? really should, yeah. <laughs> I feel like this the summer, really I feel like interviews. after the spring game, when it, when things are kind of died down, then I think that's a good opportunity for us to, to maybe uh, put out a couple of the interview solos we have so you can uh, listen back to some of your favorites. Because I've seen the numbers now the last few weeks. Thank you guys for listening because the numbers have skyrocketed the last few weeks, whether that's because people are excited about Gus Malzahn, but there's a lot of people that have been listening to these last few episodes that were not listening before. So I, I gotta imagine a lot of those people didn't hear most of our interviews. Mike Golick's another one that we had, a big time name that we've had. We've had all kinds of guests on this show. So hopefully we'll be able to release some of those again soon and you guys can catch up with some of the old interviews. But until all that, again, we got spring game coming up. We got spring practice coming up. We'll keep you up to date on all that. We got recruits coming up. Uh, basketball uh, postseason will be beginning soon. Baseball is just getting into into full gear. We will have you covered on all that stuff. You can hear all that here on the podcast version of the show, which comes out usually every Tuesday-ish. Uh, and then if you uh, are so inclined to use the interwebs, uh, Thursday night live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you can find us, uh, including Mr. Trey Shelko for the Suns UCF Live. Different kind of show. Usually we have uh, different sort of media type guests on there. We talk about some of the news that's making rounds for that particular period of time. I think this week upcoming, we've got some football preview stuff, Mike. Trace has got a couple of things up his sleeve there because he's not running. Uh, so he's got plenty of time to do that. So <laughs> make sure you tune in. Uh, Suns UCF Live. And thanks for all your support. Make sure you, you keep it locked here. Mike and I will get you through all this fun stuff. And uh, we'll be back next week with God knows who. Maybe Richie Grant. Maybe not. You'll have to tune in to find out. Until then, everybody have a fantastic week. Go Knights. Charge on. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.